0: this is the voice of the report of the week signing on hello ladies gentlemen and everyone listening to today's program of vorw international my podcast welcome one and all whoever you're listening from and uh, however you might be listening i hope you're doing all right Uh, i think i can give a definitive date check today program is going out well, this part is being recorded Friday, the 31st of July, 2020, but it's gonna be going out Saturday, August 1st, 2020. New show, a new month. Hey, let's hope August is gonna be a good one, right? <laughs> Fingers crossed. But anyway, uh, I really wanted to fast track the uh, this show. I really did. I said, you know what, just step it up a bit because it's you know it's interesting i'm really following this for those of you who don't know i really do like tropical weather and we have a hurricane we have a a hurricane a boot that looks like it's gonna hit florida uh, obviously <laughs> would you believe my luck I, I sit here and as you're gonna hear in today's show i actually give this lecture as this now hurricane was just a little nothing you know thousands of miles away about tropical weather and how uh, difficult it is to forecast and that's why you need to try to take it seriously and then look where I find myself. Maybe I cursed it. I don't know. But the uh, name of this storm, it's a fascinating name, but it's called Hurricane Isaias and it's spelled I-S-A-I-A-S. So it looks like it should just be Isaiah or Isaias, but it's Isaias. Have an accent on the second eye and it's a four syllable word <laughs> it's an interesting one though but i mean right now it's like a day or two out and uh, it's supposed to hit well potentially hit florida as a hurricane right up the east coast but you know it it, it can go further inland or can stay out to sea it's not going to be the strongest storm in the world it's going to be a category one or two hurricane although watch you know with my luck i'm gonna go i'm gonna get this show up i'm gonna go to sleep and then i'm gonna wake up seven hours later and find that the storm rapidly intensified and you know just my luck but either way of course i'm gonna ride it out because it just doesn't seem to constitute too much of a threat to well uh, where i am right now anyway but there will be impacts there will be wind there will be rain and probably very gusty winds, maybe even a few hurricane force gusts, if not sustained, depends on where it goes. Um, But as a result, I mean, I I feel like I'm decently equipped for it, but the thing is, if I lose power, if I lose internet, etc., because sometimes that grid can be very fragile, then this show is gonna be dead in the water. So that's why I said, I just wanna step it up a bit. So in case this storm, let's say again, disables uh electricity and internet and utilities for a while and i don't know how long it would be it just depends Uh, i want to make sure this show is done and up and uh all all ready to go for you guys that's exactly what we're doing today's broadcast is probably going to be around three hours in length it's going to focus on a number of topics Uh, i did want to cut in though of course and just give that update about hurricane isaias Right now uh, as I am recording this just to keep you posted maximum sustained wind is 80 miles per hour movement northwest at 15 miles per hour the uh, center of this is located over the Bahamas and now it's kind of heading northwest to Florida but over the next few days it can really go a few ways it could possibly weaken a bit Uh, wind shear etc you never know but who's to say, Uh, in the next few days, again, we'll probably, uh, there's so much variability with the storm, and we'll talk about it a little later, but it could, again, ride straight up the center of Florida. It can go up the coast. It could stay out to sea, Uh, but either way, there will be impacts. Maybe not severe. I might not even lose power, but I'm just prepared just in case. So I'm getting all my metaphorical uh, ducks in a row. But for anyone there uh, in florida hope you're doing okay again this doesn't look like it's going to be the storm of all storms or anything but you know take it seriously be safe be ready and uh, if it doesn't end up being all that much just take it as a wake-up call we are in hurricane season after florida it will probably weaken to a tropical storm go up the east coast what happens happens so anyone in the carolinas Uh, but especially further north, along the coast of Virginia, and then even into uh, the Mid-Atlantic, Delaware, Maryland, uh, and then further north into New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts. This thing, at least according to the latest uh, forecast from the National Hurricane Center, will go up and hit you guys as a tropical storm. So... I know down here the hurricanes and all that happen a lot more frequently, but I I know, <laughs> I know having having lived up there for most of my life, even a tropical storm can uh, cause some issues. So please uh, keep your eyes on this one, Isaias. It's a very very active season. There will be more storms to follow, many more I'm sure. So be ready and keep your eyes on the uh, on the tropics. Okay, other than that. In today's broadcast, we will be discussing uh, aliens, here we are, we're gonna talk a little bit about extraterrestrials, just at the very beginning for a couple minutes because of the uh, New York Times report, it was a requested topic and I thought I'm gonna risk it. Then I give a a timely and kind of ironic uh, discussion about tropical weather and how uncertain it is, and then look what happens, right? Then after that, I discuss the uh, results of the big special broadcasts that I uh, did earlier in the month. And then after that, we take a look at your, uh, your questions. We open up the mailbag. Lots and lots of good comments, questions, pieces of feedback. All right. That said, if you have any thoughts on the program or comments, questions, etc., you can reach me at v o r w info at gmail.com and I'll try to respond to them in the next program likewise as you can see on YouTube I feature fan art in every broadcast if you are feeling artistically inclined and you'd like to make a piece of fan art by all means go for it you can submit it uh, again via email to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com you can just um, make the piece, whatever whatever you want it to be, and then uh, you can just send me the uh, piece as an attachment to your email, or uh, if you would prefer not to do that, you can upload it to any third-party image hosting site of your choice and just send the link to me, and then I'll do all the legwork. I'll uh, get it all set up, I'll get it put in the show, and then I will credit you. Uh, you put the time and effort into making this, and giving you the credit for it is the very least I can do. Uh, certainly I can credit you by name, but also if you have a social media you wanna promote, uh, a website you wanna get out there, so listeners, viewers can find more of your work, uh, just let me know what you want credited. In today's broadcast, we have four pieces of fan art to feature. The first piece is from Majani in Indonesia, and she could also be found at Jaxta on Instagram. That's J A X X T A. Again, that's J A X X T A on Instagram. The second piece of fan art goes out to Maddie in Kansas. The third piece of fan art is from Dr. And the fourth piece of fan art is credited to Ansu22. On deviant art. That's A N S U U 2 2. There's no space there, so it's just one long sequence. Ansu 22 on deviant art. And on a final note, this program is produced and goes out thanks to your support. If you want to support this broadcast, a donation of any size and shape is most welcome to V O R W I N F O at gmail.com via PayPal. It helps keep this show going. You can also support it via Patreon at patreon.com/slash/the-report-of-the-week. And with that, I'm really, I'm really hyping it up tonight. But grab that metaphorical popcorn, soft drink, and uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. This is Vorw Radio International, and here we are for the main show. Introductions aside, since I know we already. Uh, covered them there's not all that much on the menu tonight some shows I think I have more on my I guess we'll just go with the uh, food analogies, more on my plate than others Uh, sometimes I have a lot to talk about, sometimes I don't and one thing that I've learned over the years is, if you do not have to don't sit there and try to make the show longer than it needs to be if you're just going to waste time and talk in circles and all of that and some people say, "Well, that's what you do to begin with in every single show." But eh, say what you want. That's just not what I feel like I'm doing. Maybe I do it inadvertently, but that's not the objective. I remember, though. I think it was early 2017, or maybe it was late 2016. One or the other. I would sometimes, because I felt like I had this precedent that I needed to continue to to meet to have the shows a certain length, make them over three hours, etc. And as a result, if I didn't have much to talk about, I would sit there for 30 minutes and try to talk about anything before I felt it acceptable to move on to uh, the listener letters or something. And some people noticed it and they thought, you're just talking in circles, you're wasting time. And yeah, that's exactly what I was doing then. I'm not gonna lie. So now I'm just gonna skip all of that. And uh, we do have lots of correspondence to get to today, so I'm sure it will be a long show. Um, But there's two things that I just want to discuss briefly. Then we'll probably get into uh, some radio stuff and then into letters. The first thing that's just worth mentioning real quick. So first and foremost, just a, a brief thing that popped up in the New York Times the other day. And it made a lot of uh of course a lot of i guess discussion and news etc because it was just it was a a headline of course that caught a lot of attention that attracted a lot of attention it got people talking and i don't care if youtube takes the video down because i discussed this if they do i don't care let them shut it all down if this is if they're gonna do it then fine let them let them shut the channel down if they consider this a conspiracy theory i don't care um go shut the new york times down too if you're going to do that though at least be fair with who you punish but the new york times the other day published this article with the headline no longer in shadows pentagon's ufo unit will make some findings public for over a decade the program now tucked inside the office of naval intelligence has discussed mysterious events in classified briefings. So the article goes on to pretty much say that the Pentagon had a program to investigate UFOs, and that program is still underway, but it is now inside the Office of Naval Intelligence, and that it continues to study these mysterious encounters between military pilots and unidentified flying objects that you still have this pretty much secret task force uh, designed to observe and monitor unidentified flying objects and that it's still funded quite a bit by you know our tax dollars and the, the one thing misleading about the article is you know no longer in the shadows right That they will have to make some things public now that's a quote that was taken from luis elizondo a former military intelligence official who resigned in october 2017 after being in that program for the ufo monitoring 10 years and he pretty much just said it no longer has to hide in the shadows it will have a new transparency Now you've seen this a little bit from time to time where certain you know types of ufo uh, videos and stuff have been released and certain statements have been made in recent times by the government and anyway then there's a few quotes a few interviews etc the thing is you have to remember it's a very interesting article certainly look it up and give it a read if you want there was a correction number one that was made in this where they incorrectly stated and this was what got a lot of people talking they incorrectly had a remark from harry Reid, who was the retired senate majority leader from nevada who they incorrectly said that he believed crashes from other worlds had occurred on earth and that the materials had been studied secretly for decades that was incorrect what he actually said was that crashes of objects of unknown origin may have occurred and that retrieved materials should be studied that's a misconception the first thing sounds like definitely aliens the second sounds like you might be talking about spy planes or stuff so that's a misconception Uh, secondly though one thing that does need to be mentioned in terms of this article is that look at the name ufo unidentified flying object that does not necessarily imply that it's piloted by aliens he theoretically could have a ufo that does have alien species in it um, but an unidentified flying object could also simply be a prototype spy plane from china or it could be a prototype space vehicle that the U.S. is is making, or anything in between, a new type of drone or a new type of, you know, anything in between could also be a UFO. And I would say largely, this task force, which has existed and continues to exist, has pretty much just said, well, they study unidentified flying objects and it's probably related to surveillance. Uh, emerging technology, you name it, uh, Russian spy planes, Chinese spy planes, our own efforts as well, etc., uh, new weapons, you name it, and all of that. And I have a feeling that it's largely for monitoring and surveillance of that. So do I think that this is a program that's used exclusively to monitor aliens? No, I don't. Do I think that extraterrestrial life exists. I would say that it's more likely than not that it does, and that largely considering the size of the universe, uh, that there would likely, by the odds anyway, I'm not going to say with 100% certainty, uh, but more likely than not, there are other species and other planets uh, that may be very far away, or might be closer than you think, that do possess intelligence probably that far surpasses that of our own. Make us look like the most uncivilized, unadvanced species you could ever imagine, that they would have powers beyond our comprehension. But the big question is, have they ever visited Earth? And that's where I'm not so sure about it. And, you know, I've kind of been revisiting a lot of this stuff also with the Area 51 stuff some of the various um, Individuals like Bob Lazar and I don't know, you know some of the things that he said it's interesting It certainly is but I don't know I don't know have aliens been to earth or not. I still I don't think so That's just my guess But who's to say what proof do I have that they haven't been I have nothing you yeah, know, maybe there is proof that they have, but I just, I personally, I don't know. I don't think so, but who knows? It's a fascinating article, though. It, it brings about the uh, intrigue, I suppose, in extraterrestrials that was kind of there about a year ago, if you remember, with the whole Area 51 raid. Now, you know, isn't it funny how innocent that kind of seems? Even though it was just a year ago, it's like, you think about what what we're in right now, and then you look back to 2019 when people were kind of joking about raiding Area 51 and you kind of sit back and you're like, ah, oh, the good old days. <laughs> right? When you didn't have any of this stuff to worry about. But it's still it's still interesting. Um, but obviously, again, Bob Lazar is very interesting. It's something that I want to learn more about. There's this one other guy. I think it was the... Uh, I forget his name, but he was talking about the alien wars in the uh, Dulce caverns there. And I think that's just such a a absurd load of BS, if you ask me. (laughs) I don't believe it for a second, but who knows? It's a fascinating program, though. I can't even imagine the type of stuff that the individuals uh, who take part of it, what they see. And it must be a fascinating job to have, but obviously You know, they're not just going to let any random person do what these guys do. Um, But it's certainly got people talking. And UFOs, extraterrestrials, all that stuff. It still fascinates me. Again, I just don't talk about it as much because I do not know what YouTube... I know that they really don't like conspiracy theories anymore and I don't know if they kind of lump aliens in with all of that or not. Um, But I thought to myself, well, it's it's a news story it's covered in the new york times for god's sake so just a really cool article and uh, if anyone has any thoughts on that and just the uh, phenomena of uh, ufos uh, comments are always welcome there okay secondly it's hurricane season and so far it has been an extremely active one extremely and we've already seen just the unpredictability that these storms have even for listeners out there in the pacific right there's hurricane douglas that had a very near miss with hawaii how often does that happen (laughs) almost never then for listeners in south texas of course you had to deal with hurricane hannah which for a while was just forecast to be a tropical storm and then out of nowhere strengthened up into uh, almost a category two hurricane when it made landfall and now here we are with the uh at least as the time this is being recorded it's simply called potential tropical cyclone nine but if it develops it'll be called isaias which is certainly it's an interesting name uh, some people have said uh, it's one of the most difficult names for a uh, tropical system they've ever seen because it's spelt i s a i a s so it looks like it should be isaias or uh, isaiah but it's isaias it's four syllables and you have to emphasize the third syllable isaias isaias so uh, that's what it'll be um be that tropical storm isaias or uh, hurricane isaias (laughs) it's a fun name when you really you get the hang of it to tell you the truth i just i had to practice it a few times honestly but you have this system here no one really knows what it's going to do and i just want to say in passing because i know this doesn't apply to all that many people and i'm not going to sit here and waste your time with another one of these um just remember we have improving technology of course we do these storms despite their size despite their potential intensity despite all the coverage that they sometimes get are notoriously difficult to predict and you don't need to be a meteorologist to figure that out weather of course is of great interest to me but this is just from personal observation time and time and time again the tracks of these storms are always shifting the potential intensity of these storms is always shifting and these tropical systems are always full of surprises. They can do some very unexpected things. Sometimes it'll have a bout of rapid intensification, and what was supposed to be a tropical storm is now a major hurricane. Sometimes some dry air will get sucked into it. Sometimes just the uh, the wind shear will get to it, etc. Sometimes there'll just be unexpected land interaction, and what was supposed to be a very strong storm suddenly weakens or it changes course at the last minute and those could be beneficial and it's much to the frustration of a lot of people of course because you know if a storm really does get very strong and the impact is direct as it is suggested uh, the damage can be devastating and it's so sad you know that we've really forgotten about the bahamas last year after hurricane dorian utterly destroyed some of the islands Uh, it was horrific but that's what happens when there's the direct impact of a category 5 hurricane, the strongest there is same thing uh, with hurricane Michael that hit the Florida panhandle in 2018 look at some of the areas there that it impacted, destroyed so these storms they are not always a nothing burger they're they're not oh no big deal they're not fake (laughs) you know sometimes they take unexpected turns sometimes they have unexpected weakening but these things are very 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 powerful and destructive and if you want to play around with these things you're risking your life now if you understand that risk and you want to do it anyway i really I strongly advise against it, but if you do that, for God's sake, do not get anyone else involved. Because you're risking your life. What I ask, and I say this year after year, you have to use your own personal discretion. And you have to, of course, treat each storm differently. For instance, if you live right on the beach, obviously even a category one hurricane you might have to worry about if you're in a flood-prone area because of the storm surge. But if you're inland and a hurricane might hit, a Category 1, you might just ride it out. No need to really evacuate over it if you feel you're in a safe place. So a lot of these storms are truly unique in the strength and the severity uh, as to how it could even impact a region. And the way you will deal with it is unique in that circumstance but please don't just sit there and say oh it's just going to be like a thunderstorm and it's just going to be no big deal if you're in an area that is prone to getting hurricanes at least stay on top of this and it could be as easy as watching the local news Uh, i was watching the local news this evening before i started recording this program And just in the local newscast, probably like three or four times, they already were talking about a potential storm uh, Isaias, and they were were discussing it. That's all that you need to know. You need to know that this thing is out there, that it exists, and for this storm specifically, there is a potential United States landfall as well. We don't know how strong it'll be. Uh, More likely than not, the storm isn't going to be a big deal, but... Watch as you know, the conditions will be favorable and then I'll be biting my tongue in a day Uh, But right now it looks like it'll probably just be a tropical storm and not a big deal But this needs to be a wake-up call at the very least. Hopefully it won't strengthen into a hurricane And God forbid a major hurricane right now that doesn't look like it's gonna happen, but even if we miss this one the end of hurricane season is a long ways away And we've already had so many storms. We're already to the letter I in the alphabet here. We've had so many storms already. It's crazy. And it just looks like it's going to be a really, really active year in terms of hurricanes and tropical weather and all of that. So just use common sense, monitor the weather, check the news, check the local media. Uh, one resource that I recommend using that's a little more detailed, but I think really helps, is uh, tropicaltidbits.com. I've recommended them before, and I'll recommend them again because they are an exemplary resource. They're fantastic. Uh, Tropical Tidbits just does a fantastic job. So I really recommend them they've got really all the information you need to know all the potential tracks all the potential storms Uh, also go to the source Uh, just check in on the national hurricane center every now and then they have really uh, easy to read easy to understand graphics Um, just make sure you stay on top of this if there's any major storms that are going to hit the united states or uh, mexico or really any of uh, central america even I will certainly discuss it in this broadcast uh, I'll certainly if it's something that seems cataclysmic I don't don't just exclusively tune into this show for that but if it's something very serious of course I'll bring it up but otherwise just remember be ready as well if you are going to be impacted by one of these storms uh, just be ready and prepare to lose infrastructure prepare to lose power water uh, internet cell signal everything be ready for that for a couple days and uh, there's plenty of good guides out there as to how to prepare adequately for it remember just extra food water medical supplies um basic sanitation and we're also in the middle of a pandemic so don't forget that uh, and also of course means for communication and receiving information especially a portable radio uh, am fm especially shortwave is always recommended by yours truly And just make sure you have all the appropriate materials to prepare for one of these storms as well. If this uh, potential tropical system, again, soon to be uh, Isaias, doesn't materialize into anything, then please take this as a wake-up call. Because we don't know what we're in for this year, we never know. And these storms, you know, we can have very detailed models, we can have forecast tracks that look really good. Right, that you can make it aesthetically pleasing, you can make it look real pretty, but these tracks change from one day to the next, to the next, to the next. Two days ago, there were models that were out there saying that Isaias would be a, a Category 4 hurricane. And then yesterday they said it was going to be a Category 2 hurricane and hit Florida. And now today they're saying that it's going to be uh, just a tropical storm and hit florida and now there's models out there saying that it's going to be a weak tropical storm and hit uh, the dominican republic and get torn to pieces by the mountains there and be absolutely nothing and then there's a model that comes out and says no it's going to be a, a major hurricane what do you believe it changes every single day so please be ready and be ready now because if there does come a time Where that major hurricane will be headed to your doorstep, that's when everyone else is gonna be going to the stores to try to get everything. These are difficult times financially, but every bit helps. Be safe, be ready, and be informed because this hurricane season is already proving to be a very wild one. You're listening to VORW Radio International. Of course, any recommendations Uh, for radios, emergency radios, etc., I will help you out. I'll be happy to send them to you. Any recommendations? So uh, if you do want to get a radio for emergency purposes, be that for hurricanes or not, for anything, I'll certainly be able to help you out. So if you're interested in any um, advice or recommendations or radios to buy, I'll certainly help you out. You can reach me at VORW i n f o at gmail.com that's v o r w i n f o at gmail.com and again i will respond to every inquiry so uh, do not hesitate to reach out coming up next is a little segment where i discuss the uh, findings and uh, outcome of the uh, special broadcast that i did to europe the other day yeah, so this segment of the show I just wanted to do as a little bit of an update and I know right now It's kind of been a few days since I did this uh, broadcast, but I just wanted to share how it how it went and um, just Some of the findings So in july It was during the weekend uh, Of saturday the 18th of july and sunday the 19th of july I did a special radio broadcast And it was a one-off type of thing, but I just wanted to do it purely for fun. And it was fantastic. It went over really, really well. And I just want to talk about kind of why I did what I did and how it turned out. So I think as as most of you know at this point, I've always had, uh, I've, I've really liked radio. I've always liked that medium of communications and Yeah, it's just what i like that's that's all that there is to it and i think it's just a very valuable medium a very important medium and it's one that i think sometimes gets dismissed in 2020 but it's still very important and still used by uh, so many people all over the world and you have the different types of radio you have am radio you have fm radio and then you have shortwave radio which uh, at least for many listeners uh, in the western world is kind of more obscure or antiquated and isn't necessarily used as much uh, but compared to am and fm radio the uh, the real shining characteristic that shortwave radio has is that the signals can travel thousands and thousands of miles so think of it that you can kind of set up an am broadcast but instead of having a coverage area of only let's say 10 miles or maybe 50 miles at most uh, you can cover an entire continent and listeners as long as they're tuned to the right frequency can hear your program uh, literally with the same exact signal quality uh, you know thousands of miles away from each other it's kind of like how it is now if you listen to something streaming over the internet you know someone in uh, let's say australia can be listening to the same stream as someone in new york and it will be just as good right but obviously think back to the days before the internet this was as good as it gets you know you have a broadcast that can be heard all over the world and anyway shortwave radio is still used by uh, number one just enthusiasts people who just prefer that medium because it does have lots of stations on it still but it's also widely used by listeners uh, who are either in very remote, very rural areas who don't have any internet access and can't really pick up uh, broadcasts on AM and FM. That's why the distance of uh, shortwave is so important. It's used by listeners uh, very, very often in developing countries still. Uh, So across the Middle East, much of Africa and portions of Asia as well. And it's also used by listeners uh, in very oppressive regimes uh, think places like north korea where there is huge censorship on any outside media and uh, as a result you know still using that distance of shortwave uh, other stations from the outside will try to broadcast in and uh, people will try to tune in anyway it's a very international medium and I just like what you can hear on it. You can hear programs from all over the world, and you could even buy airtime on uh, Shortwave, and you can do your own show. And it's a very free speech-oriented medium too. You can kind of say and play whatever you want, and uh, there's a lot of freedom to it that you cannot really get anywhere else. Not that I do anything controversial, it's just fun to be able to play uh, some good music and discuss uh, current events, and just talk without having to worry about an algorithm or anything getting in the way of things. Just very liberating in a sense. So especially in the US, people can buy uh, airtime on stations and, you know, just have their own types of independent shows that again, you just wouldn't really hear anywhere else. Or if it's done online, you're probably never gonna find it. It's just gonna be lost in the ether. But with shortwave, you could just pull out a radio, spin the dial and you'll hear what you hear. It's just the beauty of it, and it's just, you know, a very physical feel to it. I guess it's the same reason why some people, maybe they like vinyl, you know, they like the feel of it, they like the whole experience, you know, it's uh, another characteristic of it. But anyway, now that that's been established what it is, I do a radio show three times a week that's broadcast regularly on shortwave. But of these shows they all have pretty defined coverage areas and as a result I just become familiar with you know what parts of the world my broadcast can reach and which which parts of the world it can't so it was a tradition that I started up in 2016 and then stopped for a while because I've been doing this show on a shortwave since 2015 so it's been a while But starting in 2016, I I decided for the fun of it, why not every now and then save up a couple extra bucks and purchase airtime on a station that you normally either can't afford or aren't able to and do a special broadcast to a different part of the world. So let's say normally the station that you're on every week uh, can only be picked up, let's say in the United States and Canada. Well, why not buy a uh, broadcast you know just an hour on a transmitter in armenia and broadcast to listeners across the middle east and into india and have your show go out to a different part of the world just for the fun of it you know it's just for the fun of it reach a part of the world that you normally don't and uh, do a special show so i did and uh that's exactly what i did the first special broadcast i ever did of my show I bought an hour of airtime on this transmitter in Armenia with 100 kilowatts, and I broadcast an hour of my show for listeners in India. And it was amazing. You know, because all of a sudden I do this special show and I'm hearing from listeners all over South Asia that have never heard my show before and it was really encouraging and it was just so much fun because there was a different show also that our listeners over there had never heard before and it was just a lot of fun for, for everyone. Uh, Then, again in 2016, I did another show. Uh, This time again from the transmitter in Armenia. Again, just a one-off, one-hour broadcast. Uh, Beamed over towards Southeast Asia. And, again, then I started hearing from listeners over there, and it was a lot of fun, and it just gave people something to tune into. Uh, Then in 2017, I did a broadcast, initially as a one-off show, from uh, a transmitter in Tashkent, Uzbekistan, beamed toward Japan. But as it turned out, I ended up getting a very lucky break with some funding, and uh, because the broadcast proved to be so popular with listeners in Japan, I was able to uh, broadcast every week uh, from Uzbekistan uh, for listeners in Japan on the shortwave for a few months. And it still amazes me to this day, that transmission, I wish I didn't have to discontinue it, but the cost just added up and I couldn't do it anymore. But I really wish I didn't because I I still can't believe how many people over there in uh, Japan actually listened into my show. I, I cannot believe it. I, even to this day, I, I, even when I did this broadcast, I was getting emails from listeners in Japan who were saying, Yeah, you know, I... I uh, saw you were doing this special broadcast and I stayed up till 3 a.m. To, just to listen in because I remember you from 2017 and it was incredible to know that it actually had that much of an impact over there. But uh, after 2017, I stopped doing these special shows and I don't know why I did that because it was so much fun, but I just stopped. And I just kind of stuck to the regular shows that I usually do. But I was thinking about it and I was thinking, you know, even though my shows do target a lot of the world, uh, they still parts of, of the world that have trouble receiving my broadcasts. And I remember thinking, you know, it was so much fun to do this back in 2016 and 2017. So why don't you see if it's possible to do another special show? Promote it, publicize it, get the word out and see where it reaches and who tunes in. So that's exactly what I did. And uh, I decided to do two special broadcasts on July 18th and July 19th. And this time I decided to target listeners in Europe. Now you might say, didn't you say you already have a transmitter in Europe? I do, but it's lower power. And one thing real quick, and it's just, it makes sense. When it comes down to radio, Really, any any type of medium of radio, AM, FM, shortwave. The stronger the transmitter is, the stronger the signal is going to be. You know, that makes sense. The more power you put into the transmitter, the coverage area is going to be bigger. The signal is going to be clearer. It's going to be louder. It's going to be more robust. And the broadcast that I have to Europe right now, every week is transmitted from Germany with a transmitter power of 10,000 watts. That's 10 kilowatts. And while that's a good transmitter, uh, it gets a decent signal out to parts of Western and Central Europe, but it can still deal with interference and uh, listeners in other parts of Europe can still have difficulty receiving it. So I decided, I know that there's a very powerful a radio station that might, if I get lucky, sell me some airtime near Vienna, Austria, and I'm going to see if I can buy some airtime on the biggest uh, transmitter that they've got, and get my show out to listeners in Europe with a signal like I've, I've never gotten out before, and see what happens, see who tunes in and uh, how the response is. So I was able to pull a few strings, get in touch with the folks over there in Vienna, and normally this station uh, they'll sell airtime on occasion to you know independent programmers but most of the time they just broadcast the real big international broadcasters uh, like the BBC World Service NHK Radio Japan I think they broadcast the Voice of America for a time and I think they broadcast uh, Adventist World Radio to uh, Africa and other uh, big names as well. But I was able to reach a deal, and sure enough, I was able to schedule a special broadcast of my show on 6070 kHz from Vienna, Austria to Europe. The first broadcast was on the 18th with 300 1000 watts so you can kind of see the difference between 10,000 watts and 300,000 that's a big power increase of course and uh, Then the second day Sunday, I did a two-hour show uh, Again with the high power So Saturday was the one-hour show at a time that produced um, What looked like at the coverage map very very strong signals for Europe but also good reception across Africa, the Middle East, and then into Asia as well. Whereas the show on Sunday uh, only looked like it was gonna produce a good signal for listeners in Europe. So I tried to get the word out and I hoped for the best and thought, you know, what happens happens, but I'm gonna have fun either way. And the shows were a blend of discussion and music. I tried to play music requests uh, I tried to answer some listener questions and emails on the air, discuss a few things as well, and try to just have a blend of uh, talk and music. I figure, well, what happens happens. Let's see. Let's see how this goes. The response was incredible, and it exceeded any expectations I set for the show by far especially the Saturday broadcast. Uh, That was the one that really blew me away. The Sunday shows were great uh, as well, and listeners all over Europe reported a clear signal. But like the maps predicted, with the Sunday show, uh, reception wasn't possible elsewhere. But the Saturday show, my gosh. uh, The signal was... The strongest it had ever been in europe by far but after that it was heard all across africa even down down into uh, johannesburg south africa completely clear uh, it blasted into the middle east across india Then the signal made it all the way into Malaysia, (laughs) into Indonesia, into Australia, New Zealand, made it across all of Russia, made it into China and Japan, and the response was outstanding. And that Saturday broadcast ended up getting over, uh, I think, close to a thousand pieces of correspondence from listeners out there on the shortwave. So lots and lots of people picked up the show and you had listeners all over europe tuning in uh you had listeners across all of russia listening in and then it was outstanding to see even though it was nighttime over there in asia people were still scanning around listening in Uh, reports came in all over india you had listeners a bunch in indonesia that tuned in Uh, there was a report that came in from someone in Beijing listening, someone in the Philippines was scanning around, picked it up. Uh, you had someone in Nepal who is scanning around on their radio at night and picked up my show. And then you had uh, a lot of listeners in Japan who I guess uh, caught wind of this airing and saw that it might be possible for them to hear it again and they, they remembered the show from 2017. and. Stayed up uh, all night just to just to listen in, and it was crazy. Um, the response that came in from yeah, listeners all over. So it was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the response was great. The reception was great. I would say it was probably the most successful broadcast I've ever done, to tell you the truth. Ever, the coverage area was the biggest I've ever had, and. The listenership was probably the largest I've ever had. And absolutely, it was so much fun to do. So going forward, one request that I had from a lot of listeners who tuned in, they said, I really enjoyed the show. It was, you know, something nice to tune to. It's different than what I usually pick up on, on, uh, you know, this radio band. And, you know, never heard your program before. I want to hear it again. I want to hear another broadcast from you. And my response to that is, uh, I would be more than happy to do it if the resources allow. Now I have the connection with the station in Austria and they enjoyed the show. They're more than happy to cater to any any requests going forward. And I'm certainly delighted to do another one. Uh, the only question really comes down to the monetary value of the airtime. If I'm able to finance additional broadcasts, I would be more than happy to do Another special airing in the future and by all means i will make sure that i do it at the full power once again at a good time and frequency that just like that saturday broadcast will produce very good results for listeners not only in europe but also in asia and if the chance allows, I might even try to find a time and frequency that can even reach listeners in North America, Europe, and Asia. That might be possible if I, if I kind of take a little bit of a gamble, but otherwise I'll certainly be more than happy to do uh, another full power broadcast. No cutting corners there, but it comes at a cost, of course. I'll be very straightforward and quote the airtime rate it's pricey, and that's why I can't do this often. Uh, airtime for the 300 kilowatt transmitter for one hour is about $200. Uh, there's some extra fees, but that, that will always come out of my pocket. But the cost is, again, around $200 for the one hour. Certainly, these are difficult times, and I'll try to scrape together what I can uh, to do another show. But if any listeners do want to help out, a donation via PayPal to VORWINFO at gmail.com. If you support and you outline that this would go toward another one of those special broadcasts, the minute I get it, I'll go ahead and heartbeat. I'll buy the airtime right now. Uh, I, I will do it. You just have to let me know that that's where you want it to go to. And of course, if anything else comes in, then I'll double it. I'll say, all right, well, then enough came in for two hours, then I'm going to do a two-hour show. (laughs) You know, it's as simple as that. Or I'll, you know, I'll do two special broadcasts and two separate, separate ones. Do one that's for listeners, let's say, in Europe, and then I'll do one that maybe favors reception for listeners in Asia or North America or anywhere in between, South America, Africa. Um, But I'll certainly do my research into this and make sure I get the good frequencies and times. So if you do want to support this and make sure that these broadcasts, if you do want to see another one happen, if you listened in and enjoyed the show, uh, that's how you can support it. And again, I'll try to scrape together whatever loose change I can to uh, try to get one on the way. But to expedite that, and again, I'll set up one tonight, even if something comes in, you know, I'll do it now, and then I'll finalize it, I'll promote it, and then we'll have some more fun. You know, it's, it sounds like a plan to me. So if you do want to support that initiative, uh, I would probably be one-off, but it'd be fun. And I'll certainly, I'll let you know directly how the response is, where it's picked up, and, you know, the fact that you were able to contribute to something that was able to reach here and here and here and, you know, so on and so forth. But if you do want to support that, again, uh, any donations via PayPal to VORWINFO at gmail.com are welcome, and just let me know that that's what you would want it to go toward. So yeah, the response was fantastic, and uh, it was just great to reach listeners of all demographics, Uh, from, again, people out there in Nepal to people in India, uh, listeners across Africa, and everywhere in between, all over Europe. You had people tuning in on everything. You had people listening in on these really sophisticated ham radio setups. And then you had people listening into old uh, boombox radios from the Soviet Union, picking it up crystal clear, it was amazing. So, hey, no matter what happens, uh, this was a really wonderful experience and it was so much fun to do. All right, coming up next is the mailbag show. In this next part of the broadcast, this is listener correspondence focused. So if you're tuned in and you have any questions, any comments, pieces of feedback, this is your time to shine. Uh, this This next portion of the broadcast is dedicated to you, the listener. And it's a place where I take a look at your emails and again, any questions you have for me, any topics you want to hear me talk about, or if there's something that you want to share, Did you read anything interesting in the news did you read something cool on wikipedia did you watch something interesting is there anything that you want to share with the world you can also do that as well there is no set topic no restrictions no guidelines you don't have to sit there and play between the lines and you have to do this and this no it's a blank slate and do with it as you please the way to get in touch with this program is simple all you need to do is email me at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. That's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. This section of the broadcast only works if people write in, so don't hesitate to correspond with the program. And finally, uh, as we said at the beginning of the show, if you are feeling artistically inclined, You can also submit fan art. You can do that again as an attachment to, uh, as an email attachment, I should say, to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com, or uh, send it in through a third-party image hosting site, and I'll be happy to feature it in the next show and credit you as well. So without further ado, let's get in to the mailbag portion of today's VORW show. So anyway, we got everything out of the way in terms of how you can reach the show and all that, and we're going to get into the uh, mailbag stuff in a minute. There was one uh, topic, interestingly enough, that just happened to pop into my mind right now, and uh, we'll, we'll cover that, you know, just for a few minutes or so, and then we'll get into some of our listener uh, correspondence you know i've mentioned uh sleep and insomnia and all of that in previous broadcasts uh, interestingly enough there's been and i don't know i don't know if anyone would even know this or not i really it's just a shot in the dark but i'm curious if anyone happens to understand the subject more than i do because certainly my underst- I mean i'll read about it but it's by no means all that great out of curiosity i'm curious if anyone knows whether insomnia can be triggered by anything in that i mean you know of course you have well like look at my this is why i'm asking okay in my situation i've mentioned that there have been times very very frequently where it's very difficult to get to sleep you know and that's like a i don't know chronic isn't the right word but it's a persistent thing. it hasn't gone away in like five years it's like that every single night where it's just you know it becomes difficult to really fall asleep and sometimes stay asleep but there's always this difficulty um, but in the last week in I would again in the last seven day span it's like someone took took that and cranked it up to 11. And now, of the last seven days, and it's not even by my choice, mind you, but in the last seven days, I've gone at least three of those days, having stayed up for more than, you know, 24 hours each. It's like all of a sudden, someone flipped a switch a week ago, and now I, I can't even get a remote hint of tiredness until i've been up for you know 24 to 36 hours straight and then i usually get tired go to sleep a bit then wake up and then be up for another 36 hours and then go to sleep and then repeat the cycle and that's happened three times in this last week and i'm curious if that is there any does it just do that just because? Is it a you know? I'm, I'm curious. Why why would a, why does one, one's body do such a thing? Who knows? But you know what I figure when you say stay up for 24 to 36 hours, it's like you you, you have this image that you're lying there in this frustration and you know and not not at all. I mean for me, it's just I I figure my attitude toward it is that. I'm thankful i can still get to sleep and while it's mildly annoying i try to say well i have more time on my hands so maybe i can go ahead and use that time uh, productively or at the very least use it to enjoy more things you know no harm in that so just making the best out of whatever we're dealt with because some things really are what you make of it but I'm always curious the way insomnia is i imagine there's different reasons why it can do this or do that but like something such a sudden shift which is not relative to any habit uh changes so it's not like i really suddenly made a change and i started doing this and then all of a sudden cause and effect you have this happening as a result it's just like out of the blue one day now all of a sudden you don't get tired until you've been up for like this extraordinary amount of time i'm just curious why you know i don't know maybe it just does it because it does that's (laughs) that's all that we've got but either way i don't know just a miscellaneous point to raise up i suppose into uh some of the listener letters now i said i wasn't gonna dwell on that for more than a minute or two and hopefully i stayed true to my word i doubt it i've probably when i check the uh the audio recording after the fact, I'll find out that I talked on this for like 30 minutes or something. But anyway, I don't have the emails even marked down at this point and I know that's unprofessional of me, but we're just gonna kind of go from one page of correspondence to the next, to the next, and we're just gonna sort through it and, and figure this out, so. Please bear with me. First email up comes in from John. Says, I'm writing in from my other email account, and thanks for reading my letter on the last VLRW. I feel like your food reviews and other videos never fail to impress anyone at all. It's obvious that you're very intelligent. Once again, I have three questions for you. One, I've listened to one of your VORWs in the past and you previously shared your encounter uh a strange experience at four in the morning do you have any other strange or scary encounters and experiences at nighttime or daytime now that's an interesting question well normally i don't really go out all that much so that kind of minimizes (laughs) and minimizes the potential there for any of that. No, no, normally I just keep to myself at, at this point in terms of going out. I just stay in, and, um, oh, I know if I were to pick my brain, I would, you know, be able to come up with something, I'm sure, but no, nothing at the moment. Nothing really at the moment. Some interesting experiences with wildlife, but I think I'll cover that another day. But I'm sorry, I don't have any sort of pressing things to discuss there Um, but following this up you also ask I cannot find the video but I recall you explaining why you do not partake in night walks anymore Um, but I never got to the reason why because my Wi-Fi cut off on me Uh, why is it that you do not do night walks anymore Uh, no I still do I still do I just don't record the uh, show with night walks anymore and that's just a matter of personal preference But also, it's just, a lot of the areas aren't, it it just doesn't work all that well for it. I mean, if I were really, really determined, I suppose I could lug everything with me. But, you know, now that I use this older microphone again, this would actually work out better if I ever wanted to, but again, it just comes down to if you want to or not. Um, But before, for at least like the last year, year and a half, when I just have uh, used the professional setup, it was... It was impossible to do it with that. You you literally can't. Or if I did, it would be a very comical thing to see. I would have to bring a little trolley with me, and a power supply, and a computer, and the microphone, and then the everything. And it would just be... I would have to wheel this little trolley around behind me, I guess. And that'd be stupid. That wouldn't work. All the equipment, I couldn't just carry it, and I would need again a power supply and that just wasn't <laughs> and that was never going to happen so that's why um otherwise in the past especially i would say from like 20 uh, parts of 2016 again for a few years uh night walks also weren't possible simply because the area that I was in wasn't really good for night walks. Uh, now I'm able to do them again, but it's just, I personally prefer not to really bring the recording process out into, the, into that environment. I don't know, I just like to record the shows in a certain place right now, and that's it. I don't know, it just helps with the mentality, you know? I don't know how you would really go about saying it, without sounding i guess demeaning toward the show but it's like you know i remember hearing a a phrase something like you know you leave work at the office you know and you you have to have that balance between personal versus work you know it's just a it's just a frame of mind and i just like doing this show in a certain environment at this point in time so that's that's another reason why I don't know, it just doesn't feel right at this point to kind of bring bring the show into everything. That's not what I'm about. I'm just here to do this program and that's all. So hope you understand, but uh, no, that's why, especially for a while, there were just conditions that just, it didn't really, didn't really work out. And three, you write, since you do not like Steak and Shake anymore, where does it rank in your list of favorite fast food uh, slash restaurant list thank you and take good care of yourself from john thank you john for your questions uh you know i can't really say definitive rank but it would be at the bottom now i i kid you not it would really it would be at the bottom it would be really it would be down there i cannot really think of any sort of circumstance that would motivate me to go there again And that's a statement, all right. But I I believe in it. I stand by it. I I just don't see it. Because... Since I had that one experience there, and I guess it was in May at this point, with that really just... that god-awful encounter, and just the, the terrible food, the terrible service, the terrible wait time... I have not gone there since. I have not gone to any steak and shake. And to tell you that, I mean, to tell you the truth, I do not even feel motivated, in the least, to ever go there again. I don't. Now, some people they might say, "Well, do you miss the?" Uh, do you miss the fries? Yeah, no, I don't. Uh, do you miss the drinks? No, not really. Do you miss the burgers? No. Why look? I miss the old. Stake and shake I don't miss that absolute pile of garbage down the street that I can go get right now I do not I don't miss it one single bit at this point in time I feel bad for the workers and I hope they can move on to greener pastures but let it all close let it all close at this point because it's there's nothing there's nothing there What's there to miss when there's nothing there anymore? Worth even getting, (laughs) you know, it's, it's like, why, why even bother? So, nah, no, it's, it's down there at the very, very bottom, easily. So thank you again for writing in. Let's uh, see what else we've got here. I'm going through some emails right now. So let's just check. Here we go. We've got Raymond who writes in. He says, please read on your radio show or on your next podcast. And I guess here I am with the podcast, so I guess that'll come first. Hi, John. It's always heartening to hear how many people have found therapeutic benefits from listening to your shows, but it is quite amazing how this, quote, quasi-therapy, and quote, and physical healing from sadness, anger, and stress occurs even though your content, even though the content of your shows is food reviews and geopolitical news. Usually it is the shows with content pertaining to nutrition, meditation, spirituality, that people make comments about being healed. Some people say you help them get to sleep. Others say you are a healing bomb in this crazy world. And some even say that you have changed their lives. So I meditated on this a bit, and I boiled it down to this. Empathy. I think that you are giving people... I think what you are giving people is understanding and acceptance. I, for one, always suffered because I thought I was weird. For example, I drink water constantly to stay hydrated and have anxiety and get migraines and take night walks, and I'm an Art Bell fan. I hate how society is so indifferent to each other. And then I listened to your shows where you openly talked about your agoraphobia and constant water drinking and your headaches and how you hate how fast food workers are treated badly and your interest in the paranormal, etc. And I felt less alone and felt like another human empathizes and goes through the same difficulties I do. And that's why you have so many fans and are so successful in this radio endeavor. You're always encouraging people to be themselves, stay true to who they are, and be kind to others, but also important to be kind to ourselves and give ourselves a break from time to time keep up the great work and thank you for helping others find peace and alleviation from their pain myself counted among those you've healed well thank you thank you raymond for your very kind words there (laughs) it's very that's that's very kind of you it's nicer than anything i could ever say about this program of mine but i think it's 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 awesome that you're able to get something out of this show you know i usually just I don't do this show with the objective to try to help anyone. I just pick up the microphone and talk, and I'm just here to discuss. And, of course, the best part is always, in my opinion, the correspondence section. And I'm always here. When I do this show, I pick up the microphone, and if someone wants to uh, correspond with any questions or comments or if if they want any advice i cannot guarantee i'll be able to help you one single bit with anything i would i would not recommend anyone come to me for any sort of important advice but i'll certainly be happy to give my perspective on on one matter or another but i'm just here to talk here to talk and here to uh correspond with the listening audience as well Uh, but thank you thank you raymond very kind of you to say what you said Okay, Josh is checking in. He says, hope you're hanging in there, regular listener, and uh, enjoy the content. Have you considered reviewing food from Blaze Pizza, their regional chain across the eastern U.S., and serve some of the best quality fast food pizza for the price, in my opinion, says from Josh. Thank you, Josh, for your uh, suggestion. Uh, Well, let's look right now. Blaze Pizza. Where can I get Blaze Pizza? because if I can, where's this one at? Mm, Well, No, that one's off the table. That one, see, I got my hopes up because I'm looking on Google maps right now and I'm looking around and there's not a ton in Florida, but there, I mean, there's a couple. There's a couple, I don't know. If the opportunity presents itself and everything, you know, is, uh, is, is right, I'll be happy to, uh, give it a shot, try it out, so I think, I think there will be a review at some point for Blaze Pizza. I think there will. Let's check their website out while we're at it. Blaze Pizza. They were founded in 2011, so they're actually a fairly new company. Blaze Pizza, LLC, is a Pasadena, California-based chain within the fast-casual dining restaurants category. You know what I think of whenever I hear fast-casual restaurants? I I always think of what all of these, you know, big fast-food places are trying to be now fast casual you hear that term so often and that's like what every single you know mcdonald's even mcdonald's now it wasn't like that mcdonald's used to be fast food but now i feel like a lot of these places mcdonald's wendy's burger king taco bell kfc um really any fast food restaurant tries in certain ways to adopt to the fast casual uh attitude and and style especially stylistically when you look at the aesthetics of these establishments let me ask you this right now when you look aesthetically speaking i'm not talking about quality nor am i talking about service what do all of those places and many more have in common yeah i was giving them a little time to answer (laughs) That's that's a joke what do they all have in common well to me anyway i think that they all look the same In that, I mean, look at the the architecture of these buildings. Every single one of these places is the same cube-type building, at least here in the United States, and it's a fairly recent change. This is something that's only happened within the last probably five years or so. All of these places are this cube-looking thing. They all have this, you know, pretty modern design, They try to have a little bit more of like i don't know minimalism is the best way to describe it Um, sometimes darker colors sometimes not but they always try to look like they're a step above fast food even when the stuff that they're pumping out (laughs) is just the same quality as it was beforehand all of them have changed the buildings and they all try to make them look slightly very very slightly more modern and refined uh, than their previous architectural designs and now as a result you have all of these just cube-like identical buildings they all are the same all of them usually have a big glass window and it's just it's it's funny when you really pay attention to it all the same all the same cube design and that's a fairly recent thing i remember uh, i think you could go back to 2016 when the architecture of all of these major fast food places kind of changed Because I remember in 2016, simultaneously, uh, in Virginia and North Carolina, you had uh, the Taco Bells and the... uh, I remember the McDonald's up there. We're all getting remodeled, all getting redesigned. Then in 2016, the one in Florida was as well. Then a little later, the one in New Jersey was. And now they all look identical. But that's what I think of when I think of fast casual. I think of these wannabe fast food places trying to persuade people that they are somehow better than what they really are and uh that's the end result but i'm jaded and i'm letting that show right now (laughs) i got i got a little distracted um but looking at the website of blaze pizza let me tell you it's just when i saw on on wikipedia here fast casual it just kind of made me laugh oh boy no, you know what? Let's not even... No, forget about any sort of bias. Ignore that. Just keep going. Because I just read, right? it said, founded in 2011 by Elise and Rick Wetzel of Wetzel's Pretzels. Hmm. Blaze Pizza was modeled after the Chipotle concept as a made-to-order approach to serving customers. You might say, why uh, did you hesitate? That's kind of weird of you. Because Wetzel's Pretzels, I had them once and it was probably the worst pretzel I ever had in my life and uh, I'm pretty sure I don't want to incorrectly say this but I believe I made yep, November 7th 2015, you can look it up, it's on the Report of the Week channel and it's called Wetzel's Pretzels Rant, the worst pretzel of my life And uh, since it's my own content, I'll play the audio for you. Let's hear what I had to say about Wetzel's pretzels. This is from 2015. Now, things might have changed in five years, but let's, let's hear it. Let's hear what 2015 me had to say about Wetzel's pretzels. All right, let's listen in.
1: Auntie same products, same exact products. they got the pretzels, they got pretzel bites, pretzel dogs, everything that Auntie Anne's has, so I got them today, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm eating it, and I will have to say one thing about Wetzels pretzels, is that they, 100%, I will say this, 100% certainly, this has been the, Least satisfying soft pretzel I have ever consumed in my entire life. Um, they put salt on it and it's covered in grease and it doesn't do any any justice for it whatsoever. What's this
0: pretzel, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember trying it and I remember I was so upset by it because, you know, a little bit of the backstory, like I was saying, there was... You know, there was Auntie Anne's pretzels. And it was just. Auntie Anne's pretzels, I was always a fan of. I always liked them. Some people now say that it's gotten worse. Maybe they have. And maybe Wetzel's pretzels has gotten better. Uh, That's the thing. But I remember I tried it and it was just like this oily, disgusting, flavorless, just blob of dough. And it was terrible. I never had it again, it was that bad. And I titled the video so aptly, Wetzel's Pretzels Rant, the worst pretzel of my life. And, uh. <laughs> yeah, what the one. What the one comment here it says. Uh, He wasn't even planning on reviewing this, but it was so bad he had to break out the camera and give it an impromptu... Pretty much, that's that's how it was. I wasn't planning on critiquing it at all. It was that terrible. So, that's why, because when I see that the people that created Blaze Pizza are responsible for that, I always kind of... I think, oh no. But... No, I've heard... Look, I've heard lots of good things, and that's why I said forget about any sort of bias, ignore that. You know, they pretzels and pizza two different things. And I'm looking at the pictures of the pizza and look at look it looks good. Looks good. It looks like it's on another level compared to let's say Domino's or Pizza Hut or Papa John's. It is of course, you know, takeout pizza, but it's still it looks like it's on that next that next step quality wise so should i find myself um you know in the in the uh environs of a blaze pizza i will be more than happy to uh, give it a try I'm more than happy to it looks good looks like it's quality so thank you josh Tony writes in, says, I was listening to one of your older VORWs from 2015 and came across an interesting story from your past and involving a haunted hotel, and you briefly described spending a few nights in the famous Stanley Hotel in Colorado, which the Stephen King novel The Shining was inspired by. Since the publication of the novel, Stanley Hotel, has gained a reputation as being haunted and several paranormal investigators have featured the hotel in their tv shows could you elaborate on your experience staying in the hotel how was your room what was the general atmosphere of the hotel like was the food tasty kind regards from tony all right thank you tony yeah the haunted hotel the uh, stanley hotel yes indeed that was in colorado there i always like googling these just to get a little bit of a refresher course but the Stanley Hotel. Estes Park, Colorado. I think we actually have a listener, a regular listener over there in Estes Park. But Estes Park, Colorado, I should say, regardless of the hotel or not, is a beautiful place. If you ever have the chance to travel to Colorado, would, I would recommend it. It's a, uh, you know, mostly like very tourism-based. But if you like the scenic nature, it's it's really... I would recommend that it's beautiful it's breathtaking and uh, it was the first time I had ever first and last time so far I don't say that in a bad way it's just the truth uh, I've ever been to Colorado or out uh, out west really but it was a magnificent place it was in 2011 and it was during the summer months I think it was even it might have been July It might have been. I think it was. July of 2011. And what amazed me is the fact that because you're so used to having you know, the the summer heat and all of this you still are not used to seeing this juxtaposition of even being being there and standing outside in this, you know, let's say 70 or even 80 degree air. With short sleeves, and able to look just a few dozen miles away at these snow-capped mountains, <laughs> you know it's like it's a, such a fascinating contrast between just the you know you see this the snow and everything, but it's so warm where you are. How can that possibly be, right? But it's breathtaking, and uh, for the view alone, it's worth it. You're there. You see these beautiful mountains. You can go up. You can do so much it's, it's it's beautiful and i went up to you know drove up to the tops of a lot of those mountains you know scenic drives etc but i will say you certainly have to acclimate yourself otherwise i mean you do it too quickly you you, can, you might feel a little lightheaded. you might feel a li- little uh, queasy etc um i was okay i was okay i think Maybe the first time I went up one of them, I was a little iffy, but then the second time then eventually, uh, of course, went to Pike's Peak on a little train or whatever that is, and that was fine. That That's a very, that's a pretty high altitude place, but I wasn't feeling weird or anything. I remember there was one guy in the group who was obviously not feeling good from being at that altitude, and he... I don't even think he even was able to move around at all he just felt that nauseous and i felt bad you know but everyone reacts to altitude differently and i'm thankful that i was able to uh to experience that but back on track to the uh, stanley hotel in colorado now even that it is in the mountains you're not at ground level at all you're several you're, you're several thousand feet up at least probably more since it's in the mountains But anyway, yeah, the Stanley Hotel. Uh, That's the famous hotel. Now, one thing that does need to be clarified. This is the hotel that the Stephen King novel, as you mentioned, was based around. This is the hotel that it was. This is not, and I say again, this is not the hotel that the Stanley Kubrick film, The Shining, was filmed in. All right? So The Shining, the... uh, 1980 Kubrick film i want to know where that even was yeah the Kubrick film i think was just you had the sets that were all made and it was just on the uh, sound stages over there and i guess some exterior locations were uh, filmed at various you know hotels etc but all the interior stuff was all just hollywood uh, hollywood sound stages yeah the set for the overlook hotel which is what the shining that was the name of the hotel in that the film at the time the largest uh <laughs> the largest uh, set ever ever built at uh, those studios well, Yeah, but anyway so the stanley hotel over there in colorado is just that's what again the um original novel was based on and then there was the 1997 tv miniseries the shining that was filmed over there at that hotel but the famous kubrick film wasn't so this hotel of course as a result has this reputation of being haunted And exactly like what you've said, you have on occasion these ghost hunting uh, television shows that'll go there. And, you know, they'll usually do all the song and dance and uh, really play it up and have some sort of experience or another. And the hotel, by all means, they capitalize off of this big time and I'm, I mean big time you wouldn't believe how much they push it like you know sometimes I think it's more of a trope than it is in real life but you know you, you see the place that's, that's supposedly haunted and the people that run the place don't really want it to be focused on because of that and they're like oh don't talk about it you know we're just here to do a hotel and we don't want you to focus on the ghosts or whatnot. this is like the polar opposite of it uh, I remember the one, the room that I was in was supposedly one of the most haunted in the, the hotel, where on this one episode where the, the ghost hunters people were there, the one guy is sleeping there, and you know, the, the paranormal force in the room is so powerful, it swings the closet door open on its own in the middle of the night, and it's, you know, you think this room is like crazy. oh my god this is really haunted and it's it's insane i will say this number one much to many people's disappointment i'm certain i did not have one single paranormal experience in that hotel whatsoever and i was there for a number of days there were no strange feelings there were no sightings there were no audio there was nothing It was like a normal hotel that was really trying to play up the ghost stuff. Because this room that I was in was allegedly so haunted, if you would believe it, they had a ghost tour that would go by that exact room probably five times a day, every single day, and you would have this crowd of like 20 to 40 people right outside the room door with the staff member right there lecturing everyone about it and how you know, some so-and-so captain or something lived there and, and haunts the room or what have you. And every single day, and that got annoying real fast. As a matter of fact, I remember when we were checking in, going to the room, there was one of those tours that happened to be there and we just had to awkwardly kind of wind our way through the crowd and just say, yeah, just trying to get in. And that happened on more than one occasion. And then another thing is that they had their own television channel at the hotel that all it ever did was play Stanley Kubrick's The Shining on a 24 hour loop. And I think that was the default channel that the TV would be set to when you would turn it on. you just and it wasn't even filmed at that hotel either, but it was kind of funny. Uh, they just played that over and over and over and over. And then they had more ghost tours, and so they were really playing it up, but I didn't have a single experience there. And to tell you the truth, I don't even think that hotel is even haunted, honestly. I don't know, I just... There was nothing. So that's just what it's come down to. I know it's a hotel with a reputation, and it was a very pleasant hotel, but there, there just no experiences at all. So I would really, if anyone ever wants to go there, I would I would just say, do not go there with an expectation that you're going to see ghosts and you're going to see apparitions and this, that, and the other thing. Go there for a pleasant experience, uh, for the beautiful, scenic nature that's there, for the amenities and anything else in the area. Don't go there to try to see a ghost or something, because I would wager sadly, you'll leave disappointed. And the food I don't even remember at all. So I would imagine that it was run of the mill then that it wasn't particularly good or bad, just kind of average because it didn't it didn't leave an impression on me at all. All right, we have lots more to discuss today. so let's just keep the uh, listener letters coming in. Got that sip of water going. Let's see, we have an email coming in from Corey who writes, Dull Taco Cheeseburger. I kid you not, it's delicious and it would make for an interesting video. Well, thank you, Corey. As a matter of fact, I actually have had the cheeseburger from uh, Dull Taco before. So I know I don't I, I know for a fact that I haven't done a review of it. So you're correct there, but I actually have tried it before. You know, Dal Taco, they're a uh, a taco chain. I think they're more West Coast than East Coast, but there's a few, you know, here and there. And, uh, of course, in addition to their tacos, they sell a hamburger as well. And in my opinion, I agree with you. I think it's an underrated item. Uh, I think it's pretty good. It tastes good. And, yeah, it's not the best, but for a place that just specializes in tacos and Western cuisine, I don't know. I'd say they do a good job. And uh, absolutely, it's pretty good. I might I might do a review of it one day because I certainly, I've tried it before and I like it. <laughs> you know, it's just, I don't know, it's just a good, a good item. So thank you for writing in. Short email there. Next uh, question or email comes in from Gabby in Maryland. Says, great shows and great work as always. Thanks for uh, creating so much content as of late. Unfortunately, I was recently diagnosed with the coronavirus, and I wanted to remind your viewers to be incredibly careful when leaving the house. I did everything I could to stay safe, uh, wearing my mask as is required by my state, but I still got sick. I work in a child care center, and children are not required to wear masks, so I'm certain that's where I got it from. Anyway, I just wanted to stress that everyone should be very, very cautious. It is certainly not a fun sickness. I'm very tired all the time, not to mention the sore throat and headache. I do count myself lucky that I don't have that cough or other dangerous complications. Your show has been a great way to keep my mind occupied, so thank you. It's very relaxing and interesting to listen to. I've been going back and listening to older broadcasts as well. Stay well and thank you as always from Gabby in Maryland. Oh, thank you, Gabby, for writing in and i'm really sorry to hear that you uh you got the coronavirus so i'm sorry to hear that that happened to you uh, now you know some people and you know, people can interpret what they will um, but obviously the impression that i think anyone would reasonably get from your email is that you you did all the right steps you did everything that you could obviously no one's perfect And sometimes it's not even on you. Uh, Very likely you got it again at the childcare center. And like you said, the kids don't have to wear masks and there's still debate as to whether kids, you know, can really get it as much or if they can spread it. In my opinion, absolutely they can. Uh, I think kids can get the coronavirus and I think kids can spread the virus. Uh, If anything, maybe kids aren't as susceptible to severe complications as some individuals are. But that doesn't mean, number one, that they cannot get the severe illness, and number two, that they cannot give it to someone else who then might get a severe case of it. So and that's why, especially like when it comes down to schools, uh, I myself am a supporter of still continuing the virtual learning for the time being. Um, it's just, at least in certain states, I think it should be a case-by-case basis. I think some states that maybe are still doing really good, uh, let's say New York or whatnot, I think then could open up the schools, you know, with um, precautions and maybe also provide an option that, you know, the kids can go into school physically, but if the parents would prefer, uh, their student can still do the, you know, the online virtual learning. Uh, The one thing about the virtual learning, of course, is that I feel that it does bring down the quality of education and that the experience just is not the same but when you have this this virus going around it just is what it is at this point you know health comes first Uh, because if you you know if you die from this what does it matter if you get an in-person education or not so health comes first and then when things get better things can be made up if necessary but uh you know, here in Florida, for instance, I think, especially in a hot spot like this, I think schools should be virtual for the time being. But again, as the situation either gets better or gets worse, then changes need to be made accordingly. But, you know, that's how, I mean, that's how you got it, obviously. The kids spread it and probably at no fault of their own, they didn't know what they're doing, you know? You just need one kid that's asymptomatic and they, they don't know. They don't know. Kids are little factories of, of uh, germs and viruses and bacterial infections, you name it the little the little guys, they just they, they just don't know any better at this point. You know, what can you do? Kids, they like touching things, they like smearing their hands all over stuff and it's just how it is. they're germ factories, as they say. So I'm sorry that you ended up getting it. You know, you tried your best, but I'm just thankful that you don't have a severe case. So you know, just take it easy. Uh, make sure you just, you know, take care of yourself, just eat nutritious, rest, don't overdo it, and uh, I hope I hope you bounce back in no time. I know that this virus impacts everyone in different ways, and of course, uh, some people are fortunate enough to be totally asymptomatic, others kind of just get a mild illness, some get it very severe, um, but I'm glad you don't have a severe case, and again, I hope you're able to bounce back. So thank you for the update and feel better soon okay we have more correspondence to get to uh this email comes in let's check comes in from noah who writes as energy drink uh, it becomes more popular and mainstream mainstream it was written that way i'm sorry uh, than ever before and you started your youtube channel because of them do you have any interest in making the Energy Crisis series a more prominent part of your channel. If so, I think it would be a good thing to do when maybe the restaurants are running low on new releases. Anyway, that's all from me. I love the podcast, and I feel really lucky that you still uh, have the resources to continue, even when the times are as rough as ever for podcasts like yours. Goodbye and thank you. Thank you, Noah, for writing in. Energy drinks still are popular. They certainly are. And uh, I'll still do the energy crisis reviews. I'm always happy right now. I'll break open the books and let's look at the uh, analytics. You know, unfortunately, when it comes down to making the YouTube videos as, as your job, uh, the one thing, and I'm not afraid to admit it here, is that you do have to pay attention to what gets views and what doesn't. And some people they'll see that and they'll say oh that ruins the channel you got to pay attention to what uh, what might get those clicks and what doesn't etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but that's why I have this channel that's why I have the second channel that I can make these shows which you know in that very fast-paced world that the other channel kind of lives in uh, these would obviously not fare well there so that's why I just do this one because it'll still you know I just I'm doing what I want. Uh, so the one reason why I don't do as many energy crisis reviews is unfortunately because you have to kind of do this to, to keep the lights on, etc. Uh, a lot of energy drinks don't necessarily get a huge amount of attention compared to some of the fast food counterparts. Although I do enjoy doing the energy drink reviews every now and then, and I'm looking right now, the last energy drink review I did was on May 9th. Java monster, and you know they got two hundred thousand views. That's still good. It's still good. Um, yeah, that's fine. So I mean, I th- I think I could say pretty confidently that I think you'll have an energy drink review coming up soon. I just have to look around and see which ones are new, which ones I haven't tried in a while, and which ones are kind of you know that, that pique my interest. So. Thank you for uh, the suggestion i'll certainly reintroduce some energy crisis reviews going forward and that's not a problem at all i'd be happy to so uh thank you noah for checking in next we have an email coming in from sherry who writes i'm not sure what your name is so i can't give a proper greeting i've just started to listen to your podcast and i'm enjoying your show tremendously Very open to hearing the views of others without judgment. Have you ever thought of being a mediator or a peacemaker? You remind me of Jimmy Carter's style of tolerance and goodness. Uh, Also a suggestion, how about ending your show with a formal sign-off? Thank you again for some great content. So thank you for uh, checking in. Good to hear from, uh, from a new listener. Always fantastic to have new listeners on board. You know, the one thing, I'm always open to hearing different viewpoints and different perspectives. I mean, that's what I do, even when it comes down to my consumption of news. That's what I do. Uh, I've never been, and I know a lot of people do this, and you can do whatever you want. It's it's your life, it's your uh, choice to consume information as you do. One thing that I just have never done, and I just don't like it, is to only surround myself with like news media from one single viewpoint, um, I'm not a big fan of that at all. I just like listening to stuff from all sides, uh, and and just going from there. You know, I'll see what uh, what what folks have to say. Try to analyze the situation from a kind of a rounded viewpoint. I try to see the different sides of things, and then go from there. I just I, I don't like sticking to one side, and then just ardently supporting it to no end and then it gets to the point where you just intentionally block out anything that you know you seem to disagree with and a lot of people do that again I get it we're in a hyper partisan era but it's just not it's not how I am I mean last night I was watching something that by uh, by many many considerations would be considered very left wing And then this morning I was listening to a radio show that would be considered very right-wing. You know, doesn't mean I support one or the other. I just, I listen in and I want to see what both sides have to say about different things. You know, perspective is the word for it. That's just what I'm interested in. There's no better way of getting it than seeing what people have to say. So, I I I thank you for, for your kind words. So, I just, you know, I worry that my anxieties would get in the way of things if I were to try to put myself in a position as that, and I just don't want to, you know, if I felt completely confident being able to do this, that, and the other thing, and keep an appropriate schedule, and all of this, but, you know, I just, I don't trust myself. And if you can't trust yourself, then I I just don't think I would be necessarily cut out for that. But thank you. As for your suggestion with a formal sign-off, that is an interesting point. That's something I've never really thought about. Cause it's, it's just... You know, I always have the formal sign-on that I always do the same thing every single show. But then when I end the show, I kind of just end it. That's funny. I don't know why that is. I've just never got... I've gotten into a habit of doing this, again, formal sign-on, but not the opposite. That's kind of... It's funny that you bring that up, but... uh Who knows? I kind of just like ending the show whenever I end it, but... Maybe I'll come up with something, like a little, little sign-off note. That might be cool. So thank you for your suggestion. Email comes in from L and Smokey in California. And they just said, I just wanted to tell you, we here have missed you. We can only see you on YouTube at this time. Uh, we hope you do some radio shows. You're entertaining. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I do these shows when I'm able to, but I remember you guys. Good to hear from from you over in California. I think you're used to listen on the uh, on the shortwave, if I'm not mistaken, but, uh, yeah, I, I'll get this show up on the YouTube, obviously, sooner rather than later. So thank you for your short email. Huh. Looking out the window right now, it's midday, and I have a feeling one thing about Florida is that you get daily thunderstorms. And I have a feeling that we're getting close to that time of day. You may ask why, you know? Well, I'm just, I'm looking out the window right now. I see in the distance, it's far, it's definitely about 20 miles away or so. But I see these noticeably dark clouds. I mean, the whole sky is overcast. I see these dark clouds that weren't there when I last looked out the window, so... I think something is moving my way. And if it does, it does. I'll just keep recording through the storms. Maybe you'll get to hear some thunder. Maybe not, I don't know if they'll really hit. Let's check the weather radar right now, let's look. The thunderstorms don't really bother me there. They're kind of fun, actually. I, You know, I used to be perturbed by the Florida thunderstorms because of the lightning. I'd always be concerned about it. I'd always worry that, you know, of course, lightning, re- it really does have its dangers, but now I realize that it was just an anxiety of mine. That was just getting the best of me. So now I've come to enjoy it. Okay, let's check. Right, here they are on the radar. Well, I don't know. I could, definitely, I could definitely see the thunderstorm that I see on the radar. I have visual contact with it. And certainly, I could see why the clouds are so dark. It is a, uh... It's a strong one, you know? You get the little shades, at least here in the U.S., of color on the radar. And I see it's not even red, but it's got the little bit of the purple in there as well, which usually denotes very strong... Um, at least very heavy rain, some wind, so yeah, it's a good, that's a good-sized thunderstorm, but I don't know if it's really heading my way or not, but certainly gotten a little closer. Well, yeah, if it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I'll keep you guys posted anyway. It could just... It, it doesn't look like it's really going anywhere. It's just kind of meandering about. So, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Anyway. All right, on with the show. have an email coming in from Abby, who writes, Hello, it's been a long time since I've emailed you. Hope you remember me. I used to try to email you every week, but life for me has been so hectic the past several months uh, that I didn't really have the ability to listen to VORW, but recently things have been going much better for me. I've started pursuing my dream of being an illustrator for a living, and I listened to your most recent show while working. I think I'll be able to listen to your show every week again. Stay safe during these messy times. Sincerely, Abby. Well, thank you. Good to have you back aboard the uh, the VORW here. Good to, uh, good to have you listening in. I always I always welcome new listeners, or uh, regular listeners, or those who have tuned in for a while, then stop listening then come back. Uh, really, anyone is welcome to listen, <laughs> anytime, anyhow, any place. It doesn't matter. I do this show for anyone to listen to and uh, it's great to have you back. So I wish you the best of luck also with uh, your your aspirations of becoming an illustrator. Uh, wish you the best of luck there. And I think I do remember you from, uh, I think it was like six, seven months ago or so. I know it's been a while, but it's good. To, it's good to hear from you again. Thank you for writing in. Uh, We've got an email coming in from Gabriel in Missouri, who writes to the esteemed Mr. Review Bra. amidst what seems like endless boredom, punctuated only by madness and news of madness, your steady authenticity and commitment to critical thinking is an always welcome respite. These days it's harder and harder to remember... (laughs) that the world is also full of sensible and compassionate people willing to listen and willing to think. So thank you for going out on a limb to share your passions, and thank you for being there. As for the show, I have two questions. First, what would a high-end, review-bra-couture fashion line look like? And secondly... Oh, (laughs) yeah, no, that's not going to happen. Would you ever consider doing... (laughs) Just the thought of it makes... I can't even say with a straight face. Would you ever consider doing a special Thirst Comments edition of your comment reaction series? Sincerely, Gabriel from Missouri. (laughs) Oh my goodness, what an email. Uh, Well, as for the second question... As for the second question, I sadly don't think that that's going to happen because some of the comments can be of course, very angry and very upset, uh, I try, of course, you know, the style of humor is what it is, but I try not to be uh, necessarily overtly sexual in, in nature. Um, so I would rather just, you know, deal with uh, 20 comments of people calling me, you know, an F-face or something, as opposed to someone, you know, uh, Whatever, let's not even go there. Let the mind... Ima- imagine whatever you want to imagine, um, but I, I don't think I will be necessarily uh, addressing the metaphorical or perhaps uh, literal, as you said, quote, thirst, "quote" in the comments section anytime soon. But, uh, I mean, I understand it would make for entertaining content, but I just don't think I'm going to go there. Uh, but thanks for the suggestion. Now, uh, secondly, you were wondering... Uh, What would a high-end review bra couture fashion line look like? Well, of course it would be suits. Uh, Now, I would branch out eventually and probably have a casual line as well. But I would certainly do suits. Now, this would be, let's say, in a case where I would have so much money that even though suits are in decline, I really wouldn't care. I would just design them, make them, and market them just to do it. Uh, number one, the suits would all be, it would be in an older style. It would be like vintage, you know, looking clothing that really isn't vintage. I'm not trying to, you know, just that's the style that I like it. And that style happens to be vintage. Um, but a lot of the suits would be very formal. They would be like business suits pretty much. Because that's just what I like wearing. Uh, so of course you would have lots of black suits, some um, gray suits, You'd have some blue, brown suits as well. Maybe even some very muted, you know, green in there as well. Maybe even a tan suit or two. And of course, they would all have wide lapels. I would have some styles that are a little different, you know, some suits that have very wide lapels, some that are a little thinner. I have the two button suits with um, the button stance being maybe a little bit lower. uh, So the lapels are bigger, sometimes a little higher. I'd have the three-button suits that I, I think some would be very, very rigid, and others would have more of a gentle lapel roll. Of course, double-breasted suits. Most of mine would be in the very uh, rare nowadays six-by-one configuration. And uh, certainly all the suits would be heavy on the fabric. Uh, by that, I mean they would be, they would not be tight. It would be like the antithesis of slim fit, because that's just what I wear. That's just what I like to wear. You know, slim fit is one of those things. It's just not for me. I don't know. I just prefer the looser clothing. It's much more comfortable, and I like the way that it looks, too. And I don't know. I'm just not all about that. The slim fit suits. I just... Unfortunately, I think it just doesn't... It it doesn't look... And this is my personal opinion. I don't really care. But it doesn't look very professional in some cases. You know, most of the pants... Of My suits would be pleated uh, I would offer a few flat front styles as well for people who would want them, but they would be pleated They would be wide leg um, very drapey and uh, Overall, you know look up like Let me just check like look up 1990s men's suit Or suits I guess plural and then go to Google images Like, that's the type of stuff I'm talking about right there. You know, that's it. Very drapey, heavy on the fabric, pleated pants, uh, because that's the style that I like. So, of course, that's what I would reflect as a uh, designer, because also, how many suits like that do you ever see released brand new anymore? You see barely anything. So I would change that up. Even if not a lot of people would ever be interested in them, That wouldn't be the objective again we would be saying that a lot of these you know this would be in the case that i had so much money that it's just like i could do whatever i want i would just do this for fun but i don't know i really i'm a huge fan of that look the 1990s kind of wall street look i don't know i've always been such a fan of it for years i mean for like the last six seven years straight That's just kind of like the look that I've established and uh, set into. Brooks Brothers, though, they're a, uh, you know, they used to be a very, very reputable outlet for suits, and I just haven't been a fan of their styles for a long time. And now they're really struggling. Brooks Brothers is uh, not doing all that good. I think they filed for bankruptcy. They're closing their stores because fewer people are wearing suits, and now uh, sales of suits are down huge, because who's going to the office anymore? No one, because of the the virus. So why does anyone need to wear one anymore? And uh, yeah, they're really struggling, but even they, they were beforehand. Part of me thinks because the quality of their suits has been going down, and a lot of the styles are just garbage. Let's look at their new arrivals, for instance from Brooks Brothers. You see, I see exactly what they're trying to do also. They know that fewer people are wearing them so they're actually trying to go a little more casual. Like some of the new uh, arrivals, some of the suits are just, they're trying to have the model with no tie, you know, cause look at this, so they're so cool. They're, they could be casual and it's just silly. It's like they're trying too hard. If I were forced, if someone, you know, said, I'll kill you if you don't buy a Brooks Brothers suit, then I'd have to go with the Madison Fit suit. Just browsing their website right now. But, like, okay. What is this called? Madison Fit. This is the first one that I see Madison Fit Combo Check 1818 suit. It's supposed to be the most traditional cut, but even then it looks like it's slim fit to me. The jacket just looks a bit short. The pants especially. I'm not a fan of that. No pleats. Looks like it's just wrapped around the guy's thighs. It looks like... It's not to the point where it looks like it would just, like, tear at the seams if he tried to sit down, but it's... It's getting close. I don't know. just doesn't look comfortable to me. that's supposed to be their most, uh traditional fit. Oh, they're selling face masks, if you'd believe that. Let's look at this. <laughs> eh, that makes sense in today's market, of course. Let's see what the Brooks Brothers face masks look like. Eh, it's fairly priced. Eh. Oh, let's see, what would a 20-pack cost? No. Eh. for single-use masks, honestly, these are expensive, then. See, I was looking at the wrong thing. A 20-pack of Brooks Brothers face masks would be 70 bucks. Wow. 100 masks would be $300. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, anyway, I got sidetracked and got really distracted, so thank you, uh, Gabriel in Missouri, for writing in once again. Next up, let's, uh... Let's see what other emails we have coming in. Listener correspondence coming in from Richard in Scottsdale, Arizona, a first-time writer. Says, I've been a longtime fan of the YouTube channel and love the reviews, but only recently started listening to your show. Probably listened to uh, 20-plus episodes at work in the last two weeks. You mentioned in a previous episode that you moved to Florida and you enjoy the warm weather due to sensitivity to cold temperatures. Um, but the housing market in Orlando is a disaster. Have you ever thought uh, of living in the American Southwest? And is there a specific reason uh, for Florida? I lived in Florida once before, but found myself coming back to Arizona. There are lots of misconceptions about our climate, as many think it's 115 plus degrees for 12 months out of the year. Summers here are hot, but have low humidity, And the other eight months out of the year are absolutely beautiful. I grew up with cold winters in the Midwest and never want to go back. Our housing market doesn't sound uh, to be as near as overpriced as parts of Florida, and we are the fastest growing county in the United States. Take care and thanks for all of the original content from Richard. Thanks, Richard. Thank you for your question as well. Well, the reason being is that absolutely, now there are some similarities. Um, between Arizona and Florida, especially, of course, the warm weather. Uh, but one thing I, I fear, anyway, is that the uh, that it would just be too dry. That's my concern. Because, you know, like, you you know how it is. There's different types of humidity. There's, there's different types of heat. Uh, you have the, with the humidity, and you have dry heat. And I just worry about the effects of that. Um... You know, just let's say on one's health or whatnot. I just worry about the dry air, the humidity. Actually, um, for me, does more does more more good than harm, and that could be different for different people. But I really don't mind that at all. So that's just my concern, the dry air. But we'll have to see. You know, one place in the Southwest that I had always thought about is uh, Las Vegas, but that that too has many misconceptions. I'm sure i'm sure and the situation there i bet is very different than what is you know glamorized in uh, media and it really goes for all parts of the country every place is really different than what you see on paper you know in some ways good some ways bad but that's uh that's what it really comes down to so thank you for uh, for writing in looking back out the window and i still see those dark clouds but they haven't really moved at all and i don't know i thought it's been a while but i'm looking at the radar and it's just i don't know it's just sitting there over one place it's not really going anywhere the storms i don't know it's like it's not even moving it's stationary so maybe there won't be storms after all i really don't know it's just they kind of When you have the different sea breezes that kind of collide, they just, these storms don't have anywhere to go because you have the wind coming off of the west coast, off of the uh, Gulf of Mexico there. Then you have the wind coming off the Atlantic Ocean, and it just kind of collides, and then the storms form and don't go anywhere. We'll see. Next email comes in from Savano, who writes, I randomly thought of a question that reminded me of your latest podcast why do you think so many people are obsessed with other people's political views who they want to govern their state and country it's just that in my opinion at least you should be judging based purely on character and not purely on which political view you line yourself up with unless you believe in a morally wrong political ideology which at least for me personally brings up the question as to why some issues are treated as political issues, when in really it's more of a social issue. Like, is it really that political to think everyone deserves and has the right to be equal? I've always been more of a in-the-middle person, where I can see positives as well as many negatives on all sides of the political spectrum. I know politics and economics are likely always something that is to be flawed, but I'm sure we can do better than this. Maybe I just think too much about this kind of stuff because of my anxiety, but it really baffles me that people are so obsessed with other people that they can't even work on themselves. I'm realizing now that there's a lot of writing and not even a specific question necessarily, but I just wanted to know your thoughts. If This is too political for you to answer, I understand. Hope you're doing well from Savano. So thank you, Savano, for checking in. And, uh, no, no, not at all, it's fine. Uh, the question isn't even inflammatory or anything. Uh, it's something that I've wondered, too. I think to answer the first question, because it's, it's a sentiment that I share, mind you. You know, why are some people so obsessed with, with politics, etc.? Uh, and, and you said, you know, you should be judging someone based purely on character. Now, I think it's that for some, not everyone, and I'm not really one of those people, but for some, they consider politics at this point in time to be in line with someone's character. For instance, if they support this political party, then they, by default, have to be a good person, and if they don't, then they're one of the bad guys, you know? You see that ideology a lot that it's this us versus them mentality and that's not good i think that's an awful way to look at things to tell you the truth because well what does that do it drives people further apart sure you have the people that are on the same team as you you have the people that at least for now think the same way and are agreeable but all it's doing is then for the sizable number of people who think differently it, it, we're not trying to reach a compromise we're not trying to reach any sort of way to to you know clear this impasse instead we're actually just making the rift further and further and just counting on a total victory anything else just isn't going to work well what if that total victory doesn't happen and then you're left with just a completely broken disjointed system full of very angry people something that could have been totally avoided one way or another. That's the direction that we're headed to right now, in my opinion. Politics, like I said, has gotten very hyper-partisan to the point where it's actually, in some cases, I think it's gone past the us versus them mentality, and now it's still that, but it's also good versus evil. And people are literally making politics almost into a sort of Hollywood movie-esque atmosphere where it's like, this side is evil, and this side is good. And we have to fight, at least for now, a metaphorical war against the evildoers, because we're the good guys. You know, both sides look at it that same way now. One side is the scum of the earth, and the other is the best thing to ever hit the world. And there's no exceptions one single bit and this is just my observation of of what i see that you have these attitudes where people think that you know their side is the the right one their side is the winning team Uh, their side is good and the other side is bad the other side are losers the other side is going to destroy everything if they get things their way and people are pointing the fingers one way or another They're not trying to explain things. They're not trying to have a logical discourse. They're not trying to, uh, you know, just talk it over. It just gets further and further and further apart. And that's going to make things harder to unify, harder to fix. In the end, we're all Americans. We're all under the same, we're in the same country here. And I think we should come together and at the very least look at that as a commonality try and find ways to work together. But instead we just kind of, you know, in some cases I think it's perfectly justified, but in others we just sit there and fight all day and nothing ever gets done, nothing ever gets accomplished. And uh, it just makes things worse down the road. Now, again, there's problems and there are many situations where one side may be right and the other is wrong. But the fact that, like, such a low effort is made to try to come together one way or another, you know, is, uh. I mean, it is what it is. At the very least, I just try to do my part, which isn't much of anything, but I try to do my part of just, when it comes down to media consumption, for instance, I don't surround myself just in some sort of, you know, place where I'm only reinforced by viewpoints that I agree with. I'll listen to things from both sides that I agree and disagree with. And I just make up my own mind. That's why really, when it comes down to uh, all of this stuff, I just am what I am. I don't say I'm part of this faction or that political party or this or that or the other thing. I just am what I am. So, you know, it's it. Middle of the road and That's all that there is to it. And that's disappointing to some. It's disappointing. One thing I remember, actually two points that I just want to bring up just for the the sake of doing so, is that you can support who you want to support. Uh, You can be left-wing or right-wing or center or anywhere in between. Regardless, though, of what political ideology you align yourself with the most, One thing that I would personally ask of someone is to just be versed in what's going on and what different sides think. If you're going to establish yourself in one position or another, just make sure you understand the situation before you pick a side. That's all. Nothing wrong with taking sides. Nothing wrong with aligning yourself with a movement you feel passionate about. Just make sure you understand the situation before inserting yourself into it. That's all there is to it, and it's really simple enough when you have this wonderful resource of the Internet right at your disposal that you can you can become very well-versed in different viewpoints uh, so quickly, so easily, so effortlessly. That's all. I would prefer critical thought and just doing your own thing as opposed to blind alignment one way or another. Um, but it's kind of funny that I remember, number one, when I kinda of said that I'm just middle of the road, some people were very disappointed, and it's it just it goes to show, again, how hyperpartisan things are nowadays, that they were acting like it's somehow a bad thing that I might be somewhat neutral. Uh huh. They were like, Well, you either have to be hard line on the right or hard line on the left. I was thinking, do I? Why? Why can't I just be in the middle? I, I don't know. Uh, secondly, it's kind of funny. One reason, uh, One reason why I don't discuss a lot of, you know, controversial political things, number one, because it's absolutely incredibly vitriolic. And I just do not ever want to enter that hellscape anytime soon. Leave that to the talking heads. I'm not going to go there. I'm sorry. It's just funny because you just know that a lot of the people who sit there and tell me, I want you to get into the real um, controversial social and political issues, you know that they're just saying that because they hope that I will say what they want me to say, that I will, you know, believe in what they believe in and follow what they do and think the way that they do. And guess what? The same people that encouraged me to say this, that, or the other thing, If I say it and it doesn't go up to their expectations, forget it. They're gonna go off the walls, off the rails, and it's gonna be something to see. And I think, well, you asked for this and this is what you get and now you don't like it? Well, too bad. But I'm not going there. I am not a political commentator. I discuss geopolitical issues from time to time, but I don't get into the nitty gritty stuff. Leave that, like I said earlier, to the tens of thousands of people who dedicate all their free time to doing it you know obviously these are tense times these are difficult times and things are uh, things are rough this whole year especially in the united states but it's it's sad to see you know things drifting further and further apart we were talking about this last year before the virus before um any of the tensions Uh, in regards to race equality etc that are also going on at the same time as the pandemic i was talking about partisan divide and i was talking about if it weren't for probably the social media and the internet as i think a means of pacification for good though uh, we might already be in a civil war and now that sentiment is even stronger but i i just i don't think we'll ever get to that point because i just don't think people really want to take to the streets like that but i don't know you know this could have been a point where things could have gotten better but it seems like it's going the other direction Uh, things are just getting further and further apart you know there's that that partisan divide is just getting stronger and stronger by the by the day pretty much I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what the future is going to hold, but it looks like it's going to be rough. No matter how you kind of look at it, this is the vibe that I'm getting. Um, but thank you, Savano, for your question. A lot of people are very, very judgmental. And again, a good point that you that you mentioned is that a lot of people they focus on other people, the failings of other individuals, exclusively. They never look at themselves their own lives the chances that they have to improve themselves instead they just bicker and brood over other people and what do they really do for themselves you know nothing wrong with being involved in politics but it just needs to be a balance and we have to we can't forget about ourselves we really can't again we don't take care of ourselves what does it even matter in the end we won't even be here You have to work on oneself as a person, too, and just balance things. It's all about balance. That's what it's all about. And uh, that's something that I don't think anyone's perfect at, but it's certainly something that we can be better at. You're listening to VORW Radio International. Kevin and Becky write in next. Hi, John. First off, congrats on the huge European broadcast. Uh, I know that's important to you. Now my questions. Number one, Will you be doing an average day video this year? Uh, I answered this in the last show, but I'll, I'll just reaffirm. I will be doing an average day video, just I don't know when it will come out, um, but eventually there will be one this year. Question two, you say, uh, your rating scale for running on empty used to be based on a school grade point system, where a seven was similar to a 70%, thus barely passing. The last many months, you've switched to a more of a, one through ten scale where five is average can you talk about the decision to switch um yeah the reason why is because for a while it seemed like that that made more sense of course with grades etc but and then i had to realize most people are not in school yeah a lot of people who might be in high school or college do watch um the videos but a lot of people who aren't watch them as well and when you really think of a one to ten scale you think of five being the average you don't think of seven out of ten as barely passing right a five out of ten that's average and a seven out of ten is usually pretty good you don't think on a standard one to ten scale that a seven is bad and that you know then a 7.5 is still bad and that an eight is somewhat good and then an 8.5 is decent and then a nine is pretty good and you know it's like a nine is excellent you know an eight is extremely good even a six out of ten is slightly above average not a failure and the problem that i also had with the the grade point system uh with the one through ten is that with seven out of ten being Again, just barely passing. So much of that scale, you know, seventy percent of it, is based on subpar scoring, and only a tiny fraction of it is actually for decent, um, decent uh, ratings. So that's another reason why I wanted to change it, and also a huge amount of viewers were very confused by it. And they were saying, well, why is the scale this? Why is the scale... Why do you keep giving everything, you know, in the 7s or 8s? What's what's going on here? I don't understand it. So that's why I changed it. And it was a change kind of made pretty quietly because I just didn't want to dedicate a whole video to it. And most people didn't notice. It's just because most people naturally accept the, the standard scale where 5 out of 10 is average. So that's what I did. Uh, that's what worked out. And that just is a lot easier for a lot of viewers to understand. uh, And it just, it works out. I think it's a more uh, more fair rating system as well. So that's why it is the way that it is. And uh, thank you for writing in, Kevin and Becky. Continuing on with the mailbag, we have an email coming in from James in Phoenix, Arizona. And he writes, I'm a frequent viewer of the food reviews on YouTube, and I've been listening to the uh, radio show... On Spotify for the past year keep up the good work the DiGiorno croissant crust pizza has been a hot topic on both mediums lately and I noticed that you've been beating yourself up over burning the pizza however I made the very same pizza last week and was pleased with the outcome while the cheese turned brown or burned similar to yours it did not taste like it was burned and I enjoyed every bite Furthermore, the picture of the pizza on the box uh, and on the DiGiorno website shows some browning of the cheese along the edge. And I don't think you should beat yourself up over how you cooked the pizza. I believe that's how it was intended to look. On last week's show some viewers noticed uh, voiced, my apologies, voiced that they would love to hear more about cryptids and the paranormal among other topics on your show. You explained that due to YouTube's punishments toward your channel, uh, that wouldn't be possible for the foreseeable future. I was wondering if you had thought about creating a YouTube-friendly version of the show where you remove the questionable topics slash segments before uploading your show, and then you could provide the full show on mediums where it's not prohibited. Perhaps Spotify and everywhere else uh, you have the show. Or maybe even launch your own website. I've seen other YouTubers do this for their videos and uh, when YouTube does not approve their content. Stay safe from James over in Phoenix, Arizona. Well, thanks, James. It's good to hear from you and I appreciate your uh, two points that you brought up. And I guess I have been a bit rough on myself over that DiGiorno pizza. I was really upset at myself, especially the night I reviewed it because unfortunately and i hate to say this but you know it's just the way that it is when it comes down to doing these videos on youtube again you have to try to get views because that's just what you got to do to uh, get the income and in doing so the food needs to appear at least eh, somewhat delectable not that it necessarily has to be good it just has to be good enough looking for someone to, uh, assuming also that you're emphasizing, you know, if the, if the thing looked rancid, right, then it's okay to showcase that and say, this is the worst pizza I've ever had in my life or whatnot. But the thing is, pizza reviews, if the pizza is usually sightly, uh, people click on it and, and people, they like a good picturesque, uh, greasy pizza to look at. And I really thought that I had completely ruined it and I screwed up and that I just I, I felt to me like I really needed to get this video up ASAP I just had this this feeling it was like telling me you got to do this right now and I guess I kind of got that let it get the best of me and here I was with this opportunity and this one shot that I felt because I don't think there was much availability at the grocery store and I wouldn't be able to get there, and the video couldn't get done then, and it needed to be done, and here I was, I squandered it, I ruined it, so I thought. Now I realize, of course, looking back, that this happened to so many other people, and really it didn't, it happened to a lot of people, and some people actually thought, again, like the browning of the cheese uh, was, was fine, but I thought that it killed the opportunity, almost the most important part of the video. Uh, the potential thumbnail, and it ruined it. And I was so angry at myself, but it's just a pizza, move on from it. And I realized now that it wasn't that big of a deal, you know, that besides, the video did fine either way, and I was just, I was letting certain worries get the best of me. And I realized, you know, this is just what the thing does. And either way, the video was not ruined, but, you know, it's just, you you fear the worst at first. It's like, oh gosh, you know, this is done, this is I ruined it, it's burnt, it's gonna be terrible, I I blew it. But then you realize, oh no, maybe this is just how it was supposed to be and it still worked out. So Yeah, it was just those worries, really. Um, as for your second comment that you left as well. I appreciate the suggestion for, for what you what you mentioned there. And I like it. That might be something that I'll do at some point. Not that, again, like, uh, <laughs> this, you know, any sort of... It won't be any sort of hardcore political talk or anything. But it would just be something, again, to discuss, like, the paranormal if I want to. I took a risk today. I don't know what's going to happen. I was just... I'm betting on the attitude toward the, the UFO thing being more towards that of an actual legitimate news story and I'm merely discussing and, and uh, commenting on a current event which is allowed and theoretically is even monetizable under their restrictions as opposed to promoting a conspiracy theory. Again, this is the New York Times that we're talking about that talked about this. That's why I kind of said a little snarky, but true. If they decide to take down the video because i discussed it i hope they take down anything from the new york times about this as well Uh, because at the very least be equal in your (laughs) punishments you know but i don't know i have a good feeling about this one so i just took the leap but in other cases uh, i may go ahead to the point where you know it'll be it'll be something like if you know i'll discuss something but if it's a little questionable, maybe I'll talk about it. Nothing, you know, too crazy, but I'll just record it, of course, as I usually do. But instead of going on YouTube, it'll go everywhere else and over the uh, shortwave, but not on YouTube. And I don't know if YouTube has a rule against telling people to go to sites other than YouTube, okay? Because I don't want to... Again, it's their house, I'll play it by their rules. But if even if they do, you know, I could just say something like, if you want to listen to the full show, you could find it at blah, blah, blah. Uh, we'll figure it out. But that's a good idea. Again, it's, you know, then it's, it, it, I see what you're getting at. It allows for that freedom to discuss various topics uh, that you may have a bad feeling about just with YouTube's policies. I think it's a win-win. So we'll definitely see. But if I do go that route, I'll certainly let everyone know. Uh, where you can find the full shows, right? Okay. Uh, Let's check what other emails we got coming in here. We've got... CH over in Phoenix, Arizona. We've got a couple listeners in Arizona tuning in. Uh, Says, it's been a while uh, since my previous email. I watched the latest uh, VORW and had some spare time to respond now that I'm out of college. Figured I'd go ahead and write in from Phoenix. Hope the email finds you well. I thought your strange dream was interesting and it makes me wonder if all your dreams regarding people have an undertone of menace and ill will. I'll save you the details of my gruesome dreams and give you a quick summary of the most standout as of late. I was exploring uh, with my in-dream wife through this cave system and she ended up getting impaled by a trap and i had to remove her still living body and try to find the exit and in a rather obvious turn of events she died in my arms shortly before finding that exit and i woke up before i got to start digging her grave i often experience dreams very vividly with all senses and in strikingly real detail whether they are good or bad dreams i wonder about the purpose of dreams whether it's preparing us for hypothetical events in the waking world We're just a hyperactive hallucination as a byproduct of our brains not really focusing on making things make sense uh, as they address more important things when we sleep. Our brains maybe use that time to clean itself out and prepare our bodies for another day amongst other things. Look forward to the next VORW. Like many others, I appreciate all the time and effort you put in. From CH over there in Phoenix, Arizona. Well, stay safe over there in Arizona. And, uh, yeah, dreams, I mean, like you said, they can be good or bad. A uh, question that you raised Do you, you wondered if a lot of the dreams that I have with people have an undertone of menace or ill will? A lot of them do. Uh, I don't remember all of them. I really, I don't remember all that many. But of the ones that I remember, they usually. I wouldn't necessarily call them bad dreams, but they most certainly do have or outline uh, profoundly negative traits or characteristics in society, or they can have a little bit more of a melancholy undertone. Now, that's not to say that everyone in the dreams that I have is bad. Uh, In many of the dreams, there are wonderful people in them, uh, good individuals as well, but it is not just all smiles and rainbows and sunshine and all that. Uh, you know, you have the good people in an evil world. That's how it usually is. Like, there's lots and lots of bad people, but there's still a few little, you know, shining lights in this sea of darkness otherwise. And um, I do remember, I do remember that I had a COVID-related dream, I guess it was a couple nights ago. I can't really remember it all that well, though. I just had a dream that I had to go to this giant mall. I have a feeling it was probably based off of the Palisades Mall up in New York. And there were so many people there but I needed to go and you know I decided okay well you know in this day and age everyone will probably be doing the social distancing mask wearing and stuff and I remember in the dream even I was it was like realistic it wasn't even a very interesting dream I was strapping on the N95 mask because I thought I'd be in a high contact environment so you know you got to go big there and a good N95 mask can, that can actually protect yourself as well. A lot of the surgical masks or the cloth masks. I think studies have came out that do show that they offer limited protection to the wearer, but you know, if everyone wears them, that's when they're the safest. It's a collaborative effort. Um, But I do think that they do offer some protection. It's just my ideology. But of course, the real tight masks, uh the n95s etc are uh, they're the ones that really do protect you and you know the n95 masks i mean look if you thought the uh, surgical masks are uncomfortable wait until you wear an n95 those things i had to wear one the other day and you know the thing is like strapped into your face it's like cutting into you and it's like it's squeezing the life out of you it's uh if you want to talk about discomfort that's it right there but you need it the tighter the seal on an n95 the better that's what you want unfortunately it's not good for you <laughs> comfort wise but it might keep you safe but anyway i remember in the dream having to put on the uh, the n95 mask and i was strapping it in and uh it was you know, just like real life and uh and then i go in and i was you know i was appalled that very few people there were so many people there was no social distancing everyone was kind of like packed not quite shoulder to shoulder but almost and like maybe one in every uh, 15 people even had a mask on most people didn't and then I remember I was in line trying to get something and the guy I think like right right next to me maybe he was to my left but like almost shoulder length, was just coughing and coughing, and was just, couldn't stop, and was just not doing good. And I had no other choice, in this dream, but I just, I couldn't really go anywhere, I had to get this done. And I was sitting there cursing myself, thinking, you know, if he has, the COVID, which he may very well, uh, be infected with, I know I have this mask, but, I have a feeling that I'm probably gonna get infected this time around. I, I'm trying to do everything right, but what can I do in this situation? And right now, I'm probably gonna get it. Something's gonna happen. Something's gonna slip up. Uh, you know, maybe if it can't get in through my nose or through my mouth, it might get in through my eyes, possibly. Be absorbed there, I don't know. And after I was able to kind of get my thing and get away and get out of there, I was walking back, I guess home, and I was really despondent. I was just sitting there thinking I blew it. You know, I tried to do everything right, and now I'm probably going to get it, and I, I'm just not going to go out anymore. I just don't want to don't want to ever do this. Whatever it was, can just wait. And uh, I, I just really hope that I don't get a severe infection. And that's just what I was thinking in the dream. And... Uh, That was about it, you know, as a surreal in the dream, which, again, I imagine is true in real life. Uh, Knowing the incubation period of uh, COVID-19, let's just say you are pretty sure that you just got infected, you still, if you do become symptomatic, are not going to be, you know, for anywhere from like, isn't it like three or four days to as many as 14 days? So, you know, I still felt completely fine, but it's just this surreal feeling that was like i may very well now be infected and it's soon going to begin replicating and i'm still going to feel fine and then it might hit me and uh, it was just it was a crazy feeling but i bet there's many people who of course in real life have felt that way that may be uh you know legitimately concerned that they've been exposed to it and still feel good but it's like now you're playing this waiting game Am I going to start feeling sick? Am I not? And it's this worry, you know, that there's a chance that you have it, but you don't even know at this point. But that's when testing comes in, and that's why it's so important. Next email we have is from Drew over in uh, California. He says, I just wanted to drop a line and, and uh, say, I'm listening to VORW on YouTube. I appreciate the longer podcasts for sure. Uh, How are you doing? I actually agree with nearly everything you say, but even if I didn't, people are so strange to go to such extremes. By the way, in California, it's a thing to put cucumbers and strawberries or just cucumbers in ice water and drink it that way. Supposed to be really cleansing. Have you ever tried that? Anyway, hope you're well from Drew. Uh, Thank you, Drew. I've had it from time to time, um, but normally I just go with the ice water, plain and simple, sometimes with a little bit of a twist of lemon, but not, not too much. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard of strawberries, but especially cucumbers. And to tell you the truth, I might have to do that again at some point, this slice of cucumber in the ice water, because let me tell you, that sounds refreshing. It sounds refreshing and uh, cleansing is also a good a good word to describe it so certainly something i would be up to trying and uh, cucumbers are always i've always liked eating them i don't know they just they kind of are watery in a sense but they're just really fresh i guess but uh, otherwise it's good to hear from you and i know you're a radio listener as well and uh, yeah everything is going good everything is really Going good, just you know, it's turbulent times in the world, very very turbulent. And I'm I'm still I'm sitting here, I'm kind of multitasking as I'm as I'm answering the correspondence and doing the show. I am still looking at the tropical weather, and I'm still looking at the track for the uh, potential potential storm there. You know I don't know saturday sunday might get an impact might hit florida if it does it does i mean it's like what what am i to do about it nothing so i don't know we'll see i just hope if it hits it's a it's a tropical storm or a category one category two hurricane that i can live with if it's more than that that's a cause for concern at least in my situation so It's just in the back of my mind, but again, I'm just kind of sitting here and I'm just thinking, you know, I've researched this as much as I could and there's nothing more that I can do. I cannot change what, what the fate of this storm is going to be. So fingers crossed anyway, but everything else is going good. And uh, thank you for checking in. We've also got an email coming in from Tom over in Massachusetts and he says, I really appreciate that you answered my question on the last show. Uh, Your response was very reasonable and fair, and it's always interesting to listen to. Uh, Getting into my question for this time, I heard earlier in the show that you're interested in UFOs. And uh, I was wondering if you've seen the recent documentary, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. The documentary is about a very strange concept, but to sum it up, it's about people summoning aliens through meditation. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Though I don't know how true it is, it's very interesting to ponder. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. You're such an interesting person to listen to no matter what the topic is. I hope I'll be able to listen to you for years to come. Sincerely, Tom. Thanks, Tom, for bringing that up. I've marked this down right now. Close encounters of the fifth kind. As a matter of fact, I'm sure you heard some of the UFO discussion earlier in the show. And again, I think that it's with high probability that alien life exists, especially intelligent alien life. It's just a thing that I'm still divided on as if they visited Earth before or not. But you know, some of the encounters, especially from uh, government insiders, whistleblowers, uh, credible sources, is very compelling. But then you get other things that just seem off. Again, like the Dulce New Mexico uh, (laughs) alien wars or something that just seemed way too absurd, you know, but I don't know, it's fascinating either way, there's a few that I want to watch, so I've marked that down, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, it's interesting though, and and meditation, you know, that is something that I do recommend, and I mean like look at some of the, the Buddhist monks, you know, it's like they can get their mind on a whole another level. You know, just able to get in this certain state. Who, Who's to say? It's fascinating either way, but I think there's a lot more to life, to, to, to everything than we even know at this point, than we could even begin to comprehend. And that's just my conjecture. That's just what I feel. Fi- oh, no, that's just what I feel. I just think there's a lot more to it than what we really know at this point. So, I mean, who's to say? But, yeah, the UFO stuff is still, it's really cool. Really cool. And uh, one show, of course, that I I was listening to a couple times in the last last few weeks uh, was Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie. Of course, that show's been around on the radio for decades. And it's still a fun show. I just don't like how some things on it just become so overtly political or like an infomercial where you know they have some doctor trying to sell some health remedy when you know that doesn't really have much to do with the paranormal and i don't like how on the show they were sitting there trying to politicize the face masks and stuff i really not a fan of that Uh, and i know a lot of other people have that problem too you know i tune in not for political discourse or any of that, or infomercials. There's plenty of shows out there that provide both of those things, uh, but I try to tune in to Coast to Coast AM for the paranormal discussion. And you still get some good stuff, but I think, as I think many people would agree, uh, Coast to Coast was the best when Art Bell was the host, and of course, I don't remember that firsthand. Of course, I never listened when uh, he was the host, you know, live, just to... recordings of the show from years ago but art bell was a fantastic host and i did have the pleasure before he passed away to listen to his i think final show that he did midnight in the desert which was it was it was the comeback of coast to coast am it was hosted by art bell and uh i remember it was exclusively paranormal and it was fascinating and art bell i mean he still he still had it you know he was all there he was all there the real deal and midnight in the desert again it was a paranormal show it ran several hours in length it was just like coast to coast am call-ins interviews guests you name it it's a very good radio show and it was several hours pretty much each night and I think the show premiered, I, if I could guess, I think it was like in 2015 when I really listened to it, when Art Bell was the host. And it was on AM stations, FM stations around the country. But what, what the icing on the cake was, was that Art Bell's show, Midnight in the Desert, was also syndicated on Shortwave. And it was broadcast on, uh, I think, 5085 kilohertz with uh you know 100 kilowatts he was buying airtime from one of those uh stations that sells it like i do and it was just so cool to be able to listen to that on the shortwave that's actually how i kind of heard about it and rediscovered art bell and i would listen to that show every single night it would always come in clear and it was so much fun and then eventually he uh stopped as the host but then he uh, let I forget her name but then there was a new host and uh, she was okay but you know you can't you can't compare someone right off the bat to someone like Art Bell but she still did a good job and then the uh, new host of the show was still you know just doing a great job and I listened until I think like mid late 2016 when the station that They were buying airtime on, for some reason, kicked them off the air. But, you know, they were a popular program, and it was so much fun. But, yeah, Art, I mean, that was a great show. It was a great show. They they discussed a lot of good paranormal-related stuff. If you're listening in, by the way, any questions, comments, pieces of feedback are welcome to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Well, we are approaching the end of uh, this program, I uh, do want to get the show up, so I wasn't able to read every piece of correspondence that I wanted to, um, but maybe I'll do another show a little sooner, and uh, maybe even pick up a little bit of the slack, so to speak. We have a final email coming in from Gio in the Philippines, who says, I've been watching you since 2016, when CNN did their story on your channel. I was 11 years old back then, and I'm very glad I found your channel back then because your attitude of doing what makes you happy really imprinted on me at an early age. Keep up the good work, and here are my questions. Number one, I live in the Philippines, and I was planning on buying a shortwave radio, but I realized you only had frequencies available for American and European listeners. Do plan on expanding? I listen to the show on Spotify at the moment but I thought of getting a a radio for a more authentic feel and to scan other shows quickly. Uh, Number one, I I don't have any frequencies for Asia at the moment. And the reason being is that radio airtime to Asia directly is just not something that I can afford right now. um, Because there are large audiences in Asia, and as a result, the uh, airtime is then you know, the airtime rate, I should say, becomes a bit higher. If the opportunity presents itself, and I'm able to get airtime for listeners in Asia directly, uh, I will jump at that opportunity. Absolutely, I will. I would still recommend getting a radio. I think it's a good resource to have, and especially in the Philippines, you're fortunate to live in a part of the world where shortwave radio is utilized far greater than it is here in North America or in Europe. So you will definitely have something to listen to. Uh, There will be plenty of things you can hear. So I would recommend getting a radio, even just to just get one. And plus, like I said, I would be happy if the opportunity presents itself to go ahead and buy Airtime to Asia So you never know what the future holds. So I'd still recommend getting one. It's up to you in the end though. But if you do, I would personally recommend Texun, that's T-E-C-S-U-N, PL380, or the Texun PL310 ET receiver. Uh, But if you have any further questions, don't hesitate to reach out. And if I expand the show to Asia one day, uh, I'll certainly let you know what the frequency and time would be. And your second question is where do you buy your old style suits? I've been a fan of the 1940s aesthetic for the longest time now because of you and some 1940s themed video games, particularly L.A. Noir. That's all. Thanks for, uh, so much Thanks so much for all the great years of content. I plan to buy some merchandise in the near future when the COVID situation dies down to support you and VORW for all the good content you've provided over the years. Stay safe from Geo in the Philippines. Now it's interesting that you mentioned 1940s style with the suits, but I absolutely understand why you why you say that. Uh, all the suits that I wear are actually from the 1980s and 1990s. Although, again, uh, they, they do look very, very similar to 1940s suits, and th- that was the style at the time, that was on purpose. Uh, so I get all the suits from thrift stores from secondhand shops, uh, thrift stores, and sometimes online. But none of the suits that I have are new, and it's because there are no styles uh, of suits made today that look like this. Slim Fit is very, very popular, and I pretty much wear the exact opposite of that. Right now, all the suits just have flat front um, pants, very uh, skinny, short jackets, thin lapels, very tight. And I get a lot of people like the style. I'm just not a fan of it. I like the opposite. I like wide leg, drapey, pleated pants, uh, long jackets, uh, some room, wide lapels, etc. So I, I wear the exact opposite of everything that's sold today, pretty much. Not to be contrarian, it's just what I like. So as a result, I can't just walk into a store and get this off the rack. I have to search and buy usually an authentic vintage garment. Um, But the fact that it's been worn from other people does not bother me one single bit. I really don't care. As long as it's in good shape, I don't care who wore it before me. But I would recommend, if you're interested in that type of clothing, probably go to a thrift store or look online, and that would be your best bet. But I would be willing to say, uh, you know, it's it's something you have to search for now. This type of clothing is getting harder and harder to find. It's still possible, but it's just getting more difficult by the year. So it's possible to find these types of suits in thrift stores, uh, secondhand shops, charity shops. But it's getting it's getting tougher to find suits like this just in those stores even. But that's where, that's where I would recommend looking, and just browse around, see if something catches your eye, and uh, then see what you think of it. Try it on, and, and go from there. But I wish you the best of luck if you do try to, uh, to search for it there. It's a hunt. You never know what you're going to find. You might find nothing you like, but you might find a really good suit. I mean, who's to say? So thank you, Geo, for writing. And with that, that's all that I have for today's broadcast Again, I wasn't able to get to all the correspondence, and maybe I'll do another show uh, sooner rather than later to uh, get to a couple more emails in addition to uh, whatever comes in for this program. To everyone listening, please be safe, be healthy, and do take care. I wish you all the very best. Until next time, this is VORW International signing off.